Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is... If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth, and they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen... Dan and Aldo. Oh, yeah, baby! We got a show for you tonight. So we got press conferences, we got audio for many of shows, we're going to talk about winning time, the Lakers show, and we're going to talk later with Johnny Santucci, who is on the controls for the Bible Network here on YouTube. And we've got this man here. His name is Dan Aguirre. Dan, how are you, my friend? My mic was off. I'm finally getting better. Uh, it's good to be here. And uh, the interesting takeaway I had from the press conferences today, it was, it seemed to be that they needed Fields' the left side of his scrotum leaning forward in the shotgun, right? <laughs> and not, right. not his right side. Yeah, that seemed to be the headline. <laughs> Apparently, he's a lefty, uh, left wing. Uh, he's got to get that left foot going. I, I don't know what it meant politically, but uh, could a- you imagine trying to play, even if it was just like you know Sandlot? And I'm right-handed. I think you are too, right? I am lefty, baby. Oh, you're lefty. That's okay. right. I'm Kenny Snake Stabler. <laughs> well, well, so if you're lefty, it would be. It, would it be easier for you to, if you're in a gun, to have your right foot first? No. Or your left? Left. Definitely see, left. Yeah, see, that's what I was thinking is where I'm right-handed, I would be like Fields and want to have my right foot for, first, mm-hmm. even though if you're a boxing, it would be the other way. But still, I, I think that would be hard for me. Of course, he's a superior athlete, and I'm just a fucking guy. <laughs> but to have my left foot first would fuck with me, I think. Yeah, I, I I have to like look at tape and talk to Greg Gabriel and other people about it because it does seem kind of bizarre to me. Uh, uh, Cliff Victoria says, which way does he drift? 
dress to the left. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah, well, I'll have to do some digging on that because the mechanics of that are strange. And then in, in that press conference, which we will have plenty of clips from, um, he does say that that's the way it's interesting. He says, that's the way they run their offense. He, he still hasn't gotten used to saying that's the way we run our offense. Um, and you know, what, what I was, was still impressed by him though. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I, it's interesting because he does have authority and a certain presence about him at these press conferences. I wish though, there were some questions that he would answer a little bit more at length. Like there was a question posed about, um, you know, you had down in Florida, who did you train with and how has that helped? Well, he answered the question about who, and then only, you know, we, we were getting our timing, but th there has to be more to that. There has to be more to the how on that. And I think, you know, he, 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 I, I wish that as he gets more comfortable in this role of being the team leader and having to do so many press conferences that he can offer us a little bit more insight into his preparation and stuff. But maybe he he never will, and that won't bother me as long as he wins for the Chicago Bears. I, I thought that the answer was a little I, – I hope that there was more people besides Cole and, and Mooney, though. Yeah, that's, because that's that's all he answered. Yes. You know, I hope that there was more people there. I know that that was a little disappointing. I was hoping, you know, that he would say, well, who, who else is on the wide receiver? Byron Pringle. I wish he would have been the, the guy they picked up from the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I, I foresee. Well, I shouldn't say this. My expectations for the fields to Pringle connection to be minimum 65 receptions. And, and at least five touchdowns, anywhere between five and nine touchdowns between those those two guys. I really like Pringle a lot. I think that's an uh, understated uh, signing. I don't think enough people are as excited about that as I hope them to be and I hope comes into fruition with their results. Excuse if me, I were St. Brown, I would have gone too. You think about it, you you got paid like seven hundred grand, which to me or you is a lot of money, but in the NFL world, it isn't. And I think from his perspective, he didn't get enough playing time in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. I think that's what he and his agent would tell you. So, man, jump on this opportunity then and be working out with our quarterback. And maybe you'll get on the field and, and earn the big-ass contract. So mm -hmm. I was hoping that he would have gone too. Yeah. Did you see the interview on video? Uh, yes. I watched uh, Coach and I watched uh, Fields. Both I uh, watched both of the pressers today. Yeah, and 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 it's interesting because who was that who just put up? Um, who uh, it, it appears that from his face that uh, feels his uh, appearance that he's still upset with uh, Matt Nagy uh, and. But he was smooth about it though yes, when they asked him. Very very professional about it, but. I think it's pretty easy to see that he was like, yeah, those guys are idiots. <laughs> I honestly, I, I can't tell you that. I know it's like a broken record and I know maybe I'm coming across as phony, mm -hmm. but I'm telling you, I've got hope. And when I hear this, I know Matt Eberflus doesn't have the name mm -hmm. that you would want. Like he's not like, oh man, we're bringing in, you know, X or somebody that's won a Super Bowl before it's like Bill Parcells, you know, he doesn't command mm -hmm. respect based upon his name, but listening to him talk, he's, man, maybe it's just me, but he seems so much more uh, confident in his own abilities 
He's not over the top with bravado and trying to convince you that he thinks he's the best coach. And he's not trying to outsmart anybody. He seems so much better just by listening to him talk hmm. than Matt Nagy. Oh my gosh. You're so right about that. Uh, the factor says that he, uh, it was, by the way, the factor said that he was surprised at how upset Fields seems about Nagy last year. And he goes on to add that uh, Pringle was there. He came out in the video today. So apparently there's some video where, where Pringle is with Fields uh, down in Florida working out. And that's really, really good news. I'm surprised, though, that Justin, see, I, I want it more. I want it more. Yeah, we've been getting together, you know, uh, uh, six days a week or whatever it is. And I and we've been working on this and we've been working on that. And I really like what Pringle brings to the game. And I really, Darnell and I are, are really uh, establishing a great rapport. You know, I wanted some of that. But uh, Nomad says that he thinks that Justin is intentionally vague. I don't know why he would be, though. I think it's just part of his personality that he he's not the effusive uh, when he talks about things. He's not, uh, you know, he doesn't he doesn't pontificate like I'm doing right now. <laughs> he says, of course, a lot. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. I bet you he said he he spoke well, like 12 minutes today. Yes. And I bet you he said, of course, at least 15 times. Mm hmm. Yeah, that seems to be um, what he starts off his his responses with, of course. Like a lot of people say, I mean, which is kind of weird to start your responses by saying, I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you could say, I mean, maybe at the end <laughs> when you're recapping. But anyway, um, it was good to see him at the press conference. It was good to see Eberflus at the He had press a smooth white hat on, too. I yeah. like the white with the B. Ooh, see, that's one of the many qualities, uh, Dan, that I like about you is that you pick up on stuff like that. You know, your, your dress fashion is all about Chicago Bears. You could probably describe not only uniforms, but uh, uh, stuff that is sold at the Bears shop, you know, with great detail because you, you really keep an eye on that stuff, don't you? Yeah, and uh, the bee, the hat with just the bee sort of made its comeback with Lovey. Yeah. Oh, when Lovey was right. here, and but it was the blue one, you know, and so I've got the blue one. I ended up buying an orange one somewhere along the time that Fox was here, but I hadn't really noticed the white one before yeah. and he had a white jacket on with it too it was a smooth look man i liked it yeah i thought it looked good on him i don't know if i can pull that off but dan you definitely could man white hats they'll only have one of them they're just you almost don't want to wear them because you know you sweat for five minutes you stain the hat yeah that that is a problem it's something for the shelf uh i got a bar room hat that's white and i only wear it on special occasions when i when i know i'm not gonna scuff it up with a dirty hand or sweat or anything like that if you're in a dome if you were yeah. going to see the bears in detroit yeah are you planning you know where it's going to be 70 degrees you know are you planning on seeing any games this season well you know i'm so disappointed about the schedule like every other year it well in old school days it came out like april 2nd but in the last decade plus it, it's come out the thursday before the first day of the draft mm -hmm. so i thought it was going to drop this thursday but according to Mike Florio, who I know Greg hates and blah, blah, blah. According to Florio, they're not going to drop it till May 12th. May fucking 12th? Yeah, so oh. I still, like, it's so disappointing to not be able to line up any kind of long-term plans versus money and, you know, flights and all these things you got to con contemplate. Like, I really wish they would drop it this week. 
So, but in theory, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued and I definitely wouldn't mind seeing the lovey game Mm -hmm. with the Texans in town, depending on when it is, you know? Right. And they've got the two games in New York uh, against Jets and Giants. Uh, So I'd love to get out there for one of those. Um, uh, uh, Tooch is, is saying, is asking, isn't Florio like Dan, a West Virginia guy? He is. He, he uh, went to West Virginia university and got his, uh, He's an attorney. He got his degree there. I don't know where he came from first. Maybe he was from here, but I know that he graduated from here and he lived here for a certain period of time. He ran that website, profootballtalk.com, like, God, in like 2002 and was always on the West Virginia Mountaineer radio uh, plugging the website before he eventually, obviously, got picked up NBC Sports. Somebody's just asked me what I'm sipping on. It's Driftless Glen, which I picked up at Benny's for the first time probably a year ago, and I love it. It's a straight bourbon whiskey, uh, single barrel. Uh, it's made up in Wisconsin, I believe, so that's the only bad thing about it. Yeah, it's made up in handcrafted in Baraboo, Wisconsin. You can pick it up at Benny's. I really love that. That is probably my favorite of all reasonably priced uh whiskeys and when i mean reasonably priced i'm talking about 40 dollars uh so that's not uh, exactly cheap but uh it's a good whiskey um oh, before we get started can i say one more thing sure i don't know if you saw this or not but there was a video where a high school kid intercepted a- uh, aaron Rodgers, and then rogers got pissed and threw at the kid's feet after that did you see that i i saw that but go ahead and man and i want to retort on that go ahead what a fucking dick he is. That's what I wanted to say. God, I just hate Aaron Rodgers. See, I he, hate he, him. He did it fucking around, though, Dan. I think that was taken out of context. From what I read is that there were laughs about it and so forth. He just did it fucking around, and so it automatically you know, paints him out to be the bad guy. Now, I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I agree with anyone and everyone that says he's a dick. Uh, but in that context, that video, I don't think he did anything wrong. It was just playing, you know, the fact that he's out there playing around with kids is something to his credit. And the fact that he was, you know, fooling around with the kid that uh, intercepted uh, his pass and threw it at his feet. It's not like he, it's not like he threw it at his face. Like Peyton Manning did in that Saturday night live sketch. You remember that? Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> that was classic, man. So I, I don't, um, Nomad is telling me the try red breast I'll, I'll try any any breast <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <same. laughs> i don't care the size shape i'll try it that's that's me man i like a good a cup but i also like uh you know like goddamn like what is this the double g whatever you yeah. know like i i like anything in between man i like them all yeah i i you know, dan and i don't normally exchange photographs via text of uh, porn stars but i sent them one of a porn star from the 70s named Sue Nero. She was the porn star that made me go, oh, my God, I want to be a porn star just to make love to her. (laughs) And I actually, uh, on my way to school, I think I was going to college at the time, I'm walking by the Oak Theater on Western Avenue, and I look at the marquee. The Oak Theater used to be a, 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 a neighborhood movie theater that as a kid I would go watch, you know, James Bond movies and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it turned into a porno movie theater uh, in the late 70s, I want to say. And so I'm walking by, and there on the marquee is live Sue Nero. And I'm like, holy shit, this is the woman I 
seen in a porno magazine. I ditched school and went in there and saw her show and got to talk to her afterwards. And so she always has a special place in my heart. So I send this. Did you beat off in the theater? No, I did not. I did not. I have, <laughs> I have gone to, uh, in my lifetime, probably a half dozen times to a porn theater. I've never taken my wiener out and, 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 and masturbated. Although, Man, what's the point? Yeah, I know. Well, you, you, you take the memory back home, and, and that's where you do it, legally. Although at one theater, the Cine Stage Theater in downtown Chicago is a porn theater. I went in there, and a prostitute comes over and sits by me, and she starts rubbing my leg. And I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, should I give her $20 so she can jerk me off while I'm watching Yes, that? yes. I did not. <laughs> I did not. Darn it. I, I still regret it to this day. <laughs> but in any case, uh, so I send the photo of Sue Nero to Dan, and Dan gave it a big, huge <laughs> boner up should i say <laughs> she was finer than a motherfucker i'll give you that uh Toot says if ron jeremy also known as the hedgehog can be a porn star damn it so can I he's it. in trouble with like he could go to prison or something now yes, right yes he's in big ass trouble <laughs> no man saying although he's in there with dark glasses and a trench coat <laughs> uh, who was it the uh, peewee herman right was yeah it? paul rubens paul yeah. rubens and he was caught in the- <laughs> remember he had a, ch- a children's show at the time and it got canceled like he really suffered from that yeah it, it really was damaging to his career he had a very popular saturday morning uh uh i forgot what with that lawrence was. fishburne lawrence fishburne the was in that that's right holy <laughs> sh- that's funny and then morgan freeman he was on sesame street that is wild man yeah uh, yeah he yeah I, it was called peewee's playhouse <laughs> Steven. Which sounds so dirty. Stephen Me is absolutely correct. He says I go, Aldo goes to the porn theaters for the art, not to beat off. <laughs> do, you, do you remember? Like he started out in Cheech and Chong, even that he was doing Pee Wee Herman there in rated R form. I didn't know that. Yeah, you go back and watch like Cheech and Chong's next movie. Okay. Uh he's playing Pee Wee on stage as a comedian in that, and they're bo- they're heckling him. Oh, wow. He's in Nice Dreams, too. But in Nice Dreams, he's just playing a regular, like, you know, cokehead. Mm. <laughs> just a regular junkie. <laughs> but in uh, Nice Dreams, he works at a hotel slash he's a peewee as a comedian. Tooch uh, uh, says uh, Phil Hartman was also on Pee-wee's Big Playhouse. I did not know that either. Holy cow. Yeah, he ended up being murdered by his fucking wife. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's you, right. I forgot. Did you see a few that. years ago, uh, Andy Dick and Lovitz almost got into a big fight because somehow Andy Dick made a joke about it, but Lovitz like tried to attack him and was like, you're the reason this happened. You got his wife on drugs again, you piece of shit. Oh, I it, didn't know the details of that fight. That's what happened. Yeah, John Lovitz was saying, was blaming Andy Dick for the reason that Phil Hartman's wife got strung out and killed him. And he was making jokes about it because uh, Lovitz was going to go to jail and didn't give a fuck. Wow. Now, uh, so um, Lovitz wasn't making jails about jokes about it, right? It was no Dick. Andy Dick was, and and Lovitz blamed Andy Dick for Phil Hartman's wife even getting back on drugs. Well, that's in bad taste on Andy Dick's part to make making jokes if he had you know some indirect uh, yeah response. So Lovitz was going to fuck him up. Man. Wow. I'd love to see a fight between Andy Dick and John Lovitz, man. That would be great. That Lovitz would... is like his whole demeanor. Is so like, he's always like the white, white guy, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like his comedy, 
But I mean, he he's a big, he's a pretty big guy, you know. Oh, You'd yeah. like to think he'd fuck Andy Dick up. Yeah, I think so. But just the anger of uh, of both of them. Andy Dick strikes me as a guy who could, you know, get really bitchy and <laughs> and start flailing away. And then John Lovitz, with a little bit more uh, boxing style, would would knock him out in the middle of the second round. There's my prediction. <laughs> To me, Andy Dick would taunt you to to you punched him, and then he'd say, "I'm calling my attorney, you asshole." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm pressing charges. Oh man! All right. Um, how about that for twenty uh, some minutes of? Uh, Feels of, like we just got here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We could talk more about this shit, but why don't we talk a little bit more about football? And then when Tooch comes in, I want to get some of his thoughts on what we just talked about because he seems to be a uh, encyclopedia of Pee-wee's Big House Adventure <laughs> and, and some of this other stuff. Um, all right, so I'm I'm so excited. I mean, it's draft week coming up next week, but this is part of draft week for, for me because there's just so much anticipation. It starts now. You know, we have been talking about it for, for weeks, but really now it's it's we can see that light coming. This is the this is going to be the biggest part of the offseason for Ryan Poles. This is where he makes his major acquisitions. Um, he wants to build this team through the draft. Dan, I got a question for you. Would you be upset if Ryan Pose started to do some of the things that Ryan Pace did, which is trade up in the draft for players that he really, really wants on this Bears team? Man, we have to trust him. I, I know he's new and he probably hasn't earned our trust, but be that as it may, we're fans and the guy's putting his name on all the acquisitions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's his first draft. You know, he's already had the fuck up in the off season with the, you know, the, the nose tackle. So it's, it's like, we just have to trust him regardless of what the move is. We have to, we have to be happy about it and hope for the best. In my opinion, we just, I mean, I know a lot of people want to criticize the McCaskies and the organization and talk about switching teams, but if you're a bears fan, we're in it, man. So this is it, mm-hmm. whatever he does, if he trades up, he trades back. I, I gotta just say he he's doing, we hope he's doing the right thing. Yeah, I'm I'm with you in that I want to trust him. But that was such an egregious error that Ryan Pace did year after year after year that if he started his draft history with the Chicago Bears and did that, I would withhold opinion, but at my immediate reaction would be one of disappointment. And then I would withhold opinion because if he draft he, if he moved up to draft Chris Olave, the Ohio State wide receiver who Justin Fields talked about at today's press conference. And and those guys are like, you know, uh, ham and eggs. Those guys are just so good together. There's nothing more, you know, I wish this question would have would have been asked at today's press conference. What would you think if Chris Olave somehow became a Chicago Bear? I would have loved to have seen the excitement of Justin Fields' face. I mean, he he just he loves the guy. He calls him one of the best deep ball trackers that he's ever played with and that he's ever seen. He uh, they have this connection. You know, the the Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams connection was something that the Packers won't have next season. And even if they draft draft two wide receivers in round one, that connection is going to take years to develop with whoever if they draft. Even if they draft Olave. 
it, it's going to take years. Right now, if the Bears were to get Chris Olave, that connection would be halfway there. The other half has to be, you know, against pro personnel. But what they did in college was so impressive that it would be really, really outstanding if the Bears somehow could steal Chris Olave. I, I made the joke that what they should do is kidnap Chris Olave before the draft <laughs> and then force him to change his name and then just sign him for as a free agent. Say, hey, we, we signed a free agent named uh, Joe Smith and we're giving him $10 million contract. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. That's Joe Smith looks exactly like Chris Olave. No, we, we don't have, we have no knowledge of that. <laughs> now, is he projected to be a top 10 or a top five? Like, where's he supposed to go? I think yeah, most draft mocks, I see him in the top 20. So uh, so that's doable then. If, he, if he's around... 1820 that seems like that's a trade you could make mm -hmm. if he's in the top 10 that i don't i think we'd have to give up too much capital yeah i totally totally agree that there's just no way you can trade anyone that is going to go in the top 10 i mean unless you throw robert quinn in Ooh, there you're talking there, if there you throw you robert quinn in and, and like maybe one of those two seconds mm -hmm. to move up to grab that wide receiver then then i'm on board that's interesting. I mean, yeah, you know, if there's a train, a team that on, is on the cusp of winning the Super Bowl and they could really benefit from a pass rusher like Quinn and maybe even another player like they would, they have their eyes. Like they, a shitty safety named Eddie Jackson who skipped camp. <laughs> that's right. How could he do that? How, how the fuck could he do that? Eddie Jackson. Oh, God. And then make the coach have to defend him for it, too. It's just. Yeah. And he handled that really well. We'll listen to that part of it in, in the clips that I have. He handled that really good, you know, kind of uh, saying, yeah, there's a bunch of guys that, you know, have, are dealing with stuff and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Eddie Jackson, to me, he has so much to prove to the organization, to Chicago Bears fans, for him not to be there today. I mean, even if you just show your face and say, hey, I can't stick around for practice. I got to go take care of whatever it is, whatever excuse he has. But it just doesn't make sense. Uh, I think he was just counting his money. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> Stephen he was counting his fucking money. He doesn't care about anything else but. Yeah. Nagishi says, I still think you have to give a 2023 first round pick to move up. And that is the, that is the thing. Now, Here's I was thinking about this a little before the show. If Olave falls to, you know, past 21, 22, 23, there is a chance that a team might take your two second rounders and then you have Chris Olave. Two second rounders and a, and and your second rounder next year, three second rounders, that's that's a possibility. You know, that's a lot of draft capital or a guy that had 18 and a half sacks. <laughs> that's right. Robert Quinn and I'd like to see Quinn back but I mean mm -hmm. that's obviously something you can dangle there uh the impact that he can make on your team immediately yeah Tony uh Moy uh can you put that one back up uh Tooch uh Tony Moy said something about Kansas City having multiple draft picks yeah Casey has two first round picks because yeah, they fleeced the Dolphins oh my gosh did they ever Trade Quinn and a second round pick for Olave if he drops I I would love that but I'll tell you what uh, I think KC would jump all over Chris Olave. Uh, it might take a lot more. I mean, this guy is just so intriguing. For any team that loves to throw the ball and loves to throw it deep, 
they got they have Chris Olave up high, and Christian Watson is another guy. We're going to listen to a little bit of Dane Brugler uh, with his from his interview with uh, six seventy to score and Dan Bernstein, and he mocked Chris Watson to the Chicago Bears with the 39th overall pick. I don't think Chris Watson's going to be there. I think Chris Watson is is either a late first rounder or an early second rounder. If he drops to number 39 to the Bears, then that, that's going to be tremendous. Dan, I know you probably don't know anything about the North Dakota State University wide receiver. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but he's he's six foot four. He runs like a four four. And he, he he never played against great competition in college, but he has all those athletic traits that tell you he's going to. So be- did Adam Shaheen. <laughs> no, that the the college that Adam Shaheen played, I think they they played against teams like my old high school football team, a bunch oh. of little Puerto Ricans <laughs> running around and trying to tackle this six foot six tight end. I, I think there's a big difference there. Uh, North Dakota State University is where Carson Wentz went. Uh, there was a big player. Uh, oh, the uh, second round, second overall pick last year, uh, who uh, the 49ers drafted the quarterback. Uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Trey, Trey, Trey Lance, Trey Lance. Thank you. See that you don't follow college football, and you still nailed it. Stephen, me ask a question. Ah, Stephen, me get me back. Stephen, me. Uh, are we saying we should go to the New York Jets route, trade everyone, and try and build from scratch with a quarterback they hope can survive for a year or two of mediocrity and build a team up with youth? Stephen, that's a great, great fucking question. I, I don't know. I don't know how, what is the absolute best way of building this team around Justin Fields. My feeling is, is that first and foremost, you got to get protection for him, right, Dan? You got to get an offensive line. I agree. And to, an- to answer his question, my opinion, they're going to try to win as many games as possible with the least amount of talent this season. And the salary cap is so much more conducive to signing great players next year that I think a field shows that, okay, he's worth all the hype we've thrown his way and he's our guy. Then I think they'll load up next year because he's still got two more years left on his rookie deal. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the, at that point, right. And then there's the, the fifth year option, you know, sure. I, I think so, but I think they'll try to win it while he's in that rookie deal, like the Seahawks did if they think that he's the guy mm-hmm. and hopefully the, hopefully they will. Cause I want him to be. Yeah. I I'm with you on that. I, um, I do feel like I don't want them to rush the rebuild and I'm not quite sure what that means other than I don't want them to um, trade away multiple draft picks for one or two players. I think this team is in need of so many players um, that the only way to do it is with really, really smart drafting and some really astute free agent signings. Uh, But the first and foremost is the draft. And so that's why I'm really, really reluctant to trade draft assets. But uh, for Olave, you know, I asked uh, Greg Gabriel this question. Are there players on the board? You know, the, every NFL team has their big board, top 100, top 200, whatever it is. Are there any players? It was actually a, a chat room question, I think, from Nomad. Are there any players that have a little star by them that teams say this is a must get because this guy it would be a perfect fit for our team? like a Chris Olave. He would be a perfect fit for our team because of his speed, because his catching ability, because he's got a rapport with our quarterback, you know, and so 
Greg said sort of, you know, maybe, uh, but I'm telling you this, if I have my big board, I would have a star next to a Chris Olave's name and I would try to figure out a way to make it happen without having to sell the farm. So that's how I feel about that particular player. Um, Mr. Dan Aguirre, are you ready to listen to some audio? Absolutely. All right. Let's uh, start with Matt Eberflus. I actually um, trimmed down the interview a bit. It was uh, about 13 minutes or so, but I uh, I got it down to about 10 minutes. And at any point, uh, Dan, if you want to stop the interview and comment on what he has, just uh, speak up. <laughs> I just want to comment before you start. Mm -hmm. There was the question that was something along the lines of, how do you as a new coach get your players to buy into you? How do you establish credibility? That's great. Yeah, I remember that question. Thank God he didn't say be you. <laughs> <laughs> he said be yourself, but he didn't say be you. Yeah. <laughs> if he just said be you, I'd have been really, really, I would have been stunned. You know, there's so much coach speak that you can't sometimes uh, avoid some of this stuff, but BU is one that he should definitely avoid, and he should find some synonyms for collaboration because we don't want to hear those <laughs> words any anymore from a press conference, at least for a year or two. Please, Lord. Yeah, the BU <laughs> thing, man. Fuck. Be, be you somewhere else because you, you should not be here. Yeah. And I'm still holding to my prediction that uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to see a downturn on his, in his uh, play this season, and maybe not even make the postseason and all of us here in chicago will know why <laughs> it's gonna be because of matt nagy no don't call him that anymore what's your name for him the bald fuck <laughs> i love it all right ladies and gentlemen here is matt eberflus week this is our first time on the grass uh we started out today with a walkthrough um, which is about 30 minutes. It was 10 minutes of special teams, 20 minutes for the walkthrough. That was really good. And really just introducing our day one concepts, you know, day one run, uh, day one run action passes, uh, play action pass, the, the drop back pass, the empty game, and then defensively our fronts and coverages. That's what we've been doing. Uh, started with our punt team today and protection. That was really good too. So uh, then we got on to practice. And the biggest thing, the message with those guys is we're going against each other to be safe, right, uh, to finish. And my main message this morning was this. I said, hey, guys, football comes down to the simplest form of execution. And what, what is that? And that's, you know, alignment, assignment, key, and technique. And everybody has that. So when you get to play offense, defense, or kicking, when you get to play from the huddle, man, let's get lined up, right? Let's align, assign, key, and technique, and let's execute. And everybody finish. That was my last message, is to finish the right way. So we'll be looking at tape on, on the technique, on the fundamentals, execution, and the finish of, of the practice today. Coach, Eddie Jackson figures to be an important part of what you want to do here. Any concern that he wasn't here today? No, no concern. No concern. You know, and, and really it's just like, I know you might have questions about this player, that player, or, you know, Guys, you know, you're out there and you saw guys that were in or out. That's part of this time of the year. You know, guys have things that go on personally. They have things that go on. You know, they're, they're working on a part of their body, whatever. Uh, maybe they had an injury from uh, the last season and maybe they're somewhere working on that. There's every, everybody's got their own story. So, and that's not a big issue. Everybody's done a great job of communicating with us and uh, they'll be here when they're here. And when they're here, they're going to get good work. Matt, how receptive have they been to your philosophy and your message to them as they're getting to know you during this time too? Yeah, you know, it's been a short time, but I, I feel that it's been really receptive uh, by the whole team. And, 
you know, what we're teaching and what we're telling them is it's winning football. You know, it's the rudiments of the game. It's about blocking and tackling. It's about doing the simple things better than anybody else does. And uh, they've, been, they've been good. How can you tell that, though, Matt? What indicates that to you that this is clicking and that guys are receiving this well? Yeah, I would just say uh, today is a great example. There was, there was a great execution out there for the first day. You know, a lot of times you'll see other things that don't show that, you know, like uh, snaps that are dropped and guys jumping off sides and, and, you know, defensively guys missing their assignments. I saw really good execution today, and that's a tribute to them paying attention to what we're trying to do, uh, offense, defense, and kicking. And just he's just soaking it in and learning and taking command of the offense, and that's what he's doing. He's done a great job with that so far. I thought he did an excellent job today. He really did. He was in command of the offense, uh, really every play that I saw. You know, and there's certainly when you're working with 11 guys, there was a mistake here and there by by you know this person or that person. But man, he had really good command today. What are you noticing about the way he's kind of adapting to learning a new playbook and working with Luke? Yeah, just uh, I've noticed uh, just his confidence. You know, he's got uh, really good confidence in the room. Uh, when I'm in the quarterback room, when I'm in the offensive room, uh, calling out the plays, executing, and then what the adjustments are if we may have that for that particular play. But confidence, I would say. With, with Luke Jesse, how do you describe him as a, a teacher and as a communicator? Yeah, so he's. Uh, I would say he's very methodical with his teaching. You know, it's he's been in this system a long time, and he knows the ins and outs of it in terms of uh, you know what's the next step, um, and he knows also the foundation of it. And I would say that he's really good at teaching that foundation because all your concepts come off of the foundation, um, and uh, you might have this concept, but man, it's it's real similar to this concept, and you can also also teach it the same. And sameness and likeness is really good for a player um, on any side of the ball. Uh, I know it's just day one. You get Borum on the left side and, and Jenkins on the right. That's flipped from last year. Uh, what's your what's the thought process of Luke or whoever made that decision as far as having those guys at those spots? Yeah, and we're, we're looking at a lot of things right now. So you might see guys in a lot of different spots. A guy could be playing X receiver or Z receiver or U tight end, Y tight end, left, left defensive end, right defensive end. We're going to play with a lot of different combinations right now because we're just trying to figure out what guys do and what they do the best. So, you know, we, we, you could see those guys flip, you know, you know, during OTAs that could flip sides, you know. So we're just looking to see exactly what guys do best. When you try to figure that out, I mean, what types of things are you looking at? I mean, I'm sure some of it's a little bit of a projection. Are you going back to college tape? Are you looking at the limited tape last year? What are you looking at? Everything. Yeah, we're looking at everything. We want to make sure that we look at all, all the information and then make a good decision. And this, again, this is a work in progress. We're going to work this all the way through the, to the first game. So we're going to try different combinations uh, in there on, on both sides of the ball. So that, that could be fluid uh, until actually week one of the regular season? It depends on how long it takes to make the decision. You know, yes, it, it, it could be. You gotta, I think you've got to be flexible with that, you know, and then see what guys can do, you know, and then push boundaries. I think you want to push boundaries with players and say, okay, we're going to push you to this point or put you in a new spot to push you in a different way to see if you can do it. And then, yes, you can do it. Or, hey, it's a little bit of a struggle. Hey, keep working at it, keep working at it, and keep coaching him. And then he might get it, you know, at whatever position. So I think you've got to push him that way and challenge him. I know you've said before with Justin this year, it's about getting the ball out of his hands quickly. When you can't simulate like live drills and pass rush at this point of the offseason, how do you go about having him like hone that skill? 
Yeah, I think it's about footwork and then the timing, footwork and timing. You know, there should be a clock, you know, on every single drop that he takes. Um, there's the drop, the number of steps, and then there's a hitch or there's a second hitch. And the ball's got to be out of his hands on the first one or the second one based on, based on the coverage and based on the call. Are, are you able to sense leadership qualities in, in Justin? And if so, in what ways do you see that? Yeah, I, I really do. I, I want to see leadership qualities uh, with everybody because I always say this is that, you know, everybody, when you're part of a group, everybody needs to lead and everybody needs to pivot and follow at some point. You just do. You know, and, and I think that coach, player, quarterback, head football coach, coordinator, you're going to have to listen to the people around you, right, because it's a team, and you're going to have to pivot. And when, when it's time to lead, you got you got to step up and lead and, and, and get the direction going there. And I've seen that from him, and he's done a good job with that so far. Coach, how do you go about earning credibility with the players yourself? Coming in at this point in the year, how do you, how do you view that? I would just say just be myself. Just be myself. I think it's uh, if you try to be somebody else um, and it's not honest and truthful, um, I think you lose credibility. I think when you're honest and truthful and upfront with guys, and you tell them exactly and you and you put it on the table, so it's plain to see, and then you you challenge them to get that done, they appreciate that and they respect that. Matt, so some coaches like to have a locker room set up where all the players are by position, and others in recent years have done the in- intermingling, so players get to know each other, whatever. Which one do you prefer? Which will you have? Well, I don't know about locker room setup. Um, you know, I think that's 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 could be an important piece of it. But I do think this that that, and I've said this before, is that we should not see offense and defense and kicking. We should see the Chicago Bears. So, you know, I know one thing in the weight room we, we'll do is we have the offense and defensive line lift together. You know, that's an important thing that we do. Um, and then the skill guys lift together, you know, not just offensive skill, all skill lifts together. I think that's a way to get that camaraderie and build that unity uh, within the group. But uh, we don't want we don't want that. We want to be Chicago Bears, offense, defense, and kicking. That doesn't matter. Expect this week at all to help inform the draft process for next week and, and helping you get a better understanding of what you have, what you might not have. Yeah, I, I think that's that's an ongoing process, you know, to see exactly where we are. Um, you know, we'll have meetings all the way up to the draft, and that certainly that'll be part of it. That'll be part of the discussion for sure. Matt, in this early oh, phase, how much do you have to coach your coaches to make sure that they're who you think they are, hope they are, and to make sure everybody's singing from the same hymn book, so to speak? No, I think that's part of the job as a head coach, you know, and a coordinator. You know, the coordinators are, are you know, responsible for coaching their, their, you know, their side, and I'm responsible for coaching the coaches on, on all sides. And... Sometimes it might just be, hey, I saw in that drill where you can show them one thing. Hey, this is how we finish. This is make sure that we finish all the way through, um, or a technique or a fundamental that you might want to adjust or, or you know, show the coach. But uh, I think that's the job of the head coach is to coach the coaches. Is there, in addition to the hits program, though, a, a certain style that you want consistent through your coaching staff? Is yeah, down? absolutely, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I, uh, I think I stated that a couple weeks ago that I, I went down and met with every coach. Uh, talked about the progression of each player and also how we're going to practice. And uh, today was a good start. It was a really good start. We're excited about where it is, uh, but it's got to get better. Man, if Potsy can ask about the locker room, are you here? I'm here. Eldo? Yes. I want to be like, all right, Dan Aguirre, the Barroom Network. Uh, sir, uh, Coach Eberflus, we noticed that you're wearing that really, really nice white hat, and <laughs> that really nice white jacket. 
can this be a sign of that maybe the Bears in 2022 will wear, say, the white jersey with the oh, white pants? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> can we have the white jersey with the white pants again? Is that hat and that jacket an indication that that's going to happen? That is nice. Yeah, he wouldn't know the answer to that question unless he he himself really wanted that. But uh, yeah, who, I would, who is that? All the white pants on, with the white jersey. Yeah. That's what we need to find out. I, especially with, with the so-called what is it? Rush uniforms on uh, Thursday, where it's all one color. That should yeah. be if the Bears play on Thursday night. That should be it. White on white with the black helmet, and give me back that white C, baby. I love it. That, that would be, be sweet, man. That, that would be outstanding. Anything in that interview really stand out? There were two or three things that I want to talk about, but please uh, go first. Um, You know, I like that they were asking him about the tackles and that they switched, and he's basically saying, like, well, we're not, we're not telling you that that's the move. We're just trying to see what we have. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was as honest as he could have been. I don't think that was coach speak. He was like, man, we're just trying to figure this shit out. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that. I like the fact that he said that he wants to sit in. It sounds like with a certain amount of zeal that he wants to be the head coach and wants to be listen to what's going on in offense and defense, special teams across the board, and isn't just going to be like, oh, I'm here making my plays like the previous fuck, you know? <laughs> so everything about him, man. I mean, like, I know he's not electric in terms of name brand, like I said earlier, but just listening to him talk, Mm -hmm. just looking at him, Mm -hmm. he's, he's so not Matt Nagy that, uh, again, I just, my hopes are through the fucking roof. Yeah. You know, that was one of the more impressive things that I noticed about that press conference and really all of his press conferences, but particularly this one, the pace of the press conference was like normal. It wasn't ask a question and it's, Five minutes of Nagy, you know, as John Buffon would say, going through word soup and, and you know, not answering the question after five minutes of rambling on and so forth. He was being asked questions and he would fire away. There was at one point, I actually, I think I, I cut this point out where he didn't know the answer to a question. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. So I, I, I cut it off uh, in the interest of time. That, you know, if Matt Nagy would have been asked a question that he didn't know, he would have pontificated for three or four minutes. And yeah, then maybe because he would have thought made his dick small if he told you he didn't know something. <laughs> That's right. He's so insecure that he's got to be so smart all the time, like to combat his insecurity. Yeah, you're totally. This guy totally seems right. like he's comfortable in his own skin. Yes, yes. That the question about you know what are you doing to try to prove yourself to players? I, I thought he handled that well. You know, it's it, this is about you know just getting shit done. It, it, people will recognize and appreciate who I am. After Could you we, imagine though, if this were 1982 and they asked Mike Ditka that, <laughs> he'd have been like, "Who? <laughs> the players need to prove themselves to me. I'm the fucking coach, asshole." <laughs> That's exactly how you would have answered that question. I know. Uh, regarding what you just mentioned about the tackles, um, you know, I do believe that uh, based on what happened today and what Ryan Pose said earlier in one of his earlier press conferences, Tevin Jenkins is moving over to right tackle and he is going to be the next right tackle for hopefully the next 10 years. I think that Pose saw that in tape. Uh, leading up to 
uh, uh, the job and 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 uh, after uh, uh, being before one of his first uh, press conferences, he saw that Jenkins primarily played right tackle in college and saw that he's a better fit for that position. And I agree. You know, I, I I'm nervous about putting him at left tackle given that he has rarely played there as a college football player. And then Larry Borum, it would be a miracle to me if he ends up being the starting left tackle. Now he has looked pretty good in the few snaps that he's had there, but I do think that this team is looking for a left tackle and that Larry Borum will perhaps be that swing tackle to back up Jenkins and whoever the new left tackle is. That's the, that's pure speculation on my part, but I, I think that's, this is where this is headed. And what if, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. I know we both want, like, as you sold me on the wide receiver, I'm sold, you know, mm-hmm. the, let's get him. But what if I told you that there was no trade forward, there's no trade back with the first pick, uh, second round Chicago bears select a left tackle. Mm-hmm. Would What's your reaction? I'm fine with that. I'm fine. It sounds boring, but I think I'd be happy too. Oh, uh, well, I'm from the old Jim Finks, uh, you know, before you were born and before uh, 99% of the people in the chat room were born, Jim Finks developed, uh, made that 85 team. Unfortunately, he left before the Super Bowl, but his drafting of offensive linemen, and I'll never forget his words. He, it, it was on Channel 2 News, and he, and he said, you build the the team inside out you build it at the line of scrimmage offensive and defensive linemen you want to protect the quarterback open up holes for your running back and on defense you want to get the quarterback and you want to stop their running game and that's always stayed with me and i i think it's true today now even with the the pass uh the 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 rule changes that help offensive linemen and so forth i still think it's it's a viable formula there are ways to get around a a, a bad left tackle charles leno jr was not a great uh, uh, uh left tackle he was an average but you get rid of the ball quickly and charles leno's name is never going to be uh talked about unless you know he has one of those catastrophic plays that he would have from time to time you can get by not having great pass blocking tackles but it limits the offense because you got to get rid of the ball quickly so if they're drafting a left tackle that will now allow for that deep vertical passing game to thrive which is something that justin fields does well he's got a record of really being accurate with those deep passes unlike mitchell then i'm all for that dan totally for that um depending on the way they view these otas that could influence their draft as well, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I guess it's why you have it the week before is to see what do we have right now mm-hmm. and what do we need next week? Mm-hmm. So depending on how Borum looked today, like he could have made his future or uh, uh, within this OTAs. Mm-hmm. If he comes out balling, I mean, and just looks good when they mix it up on the seven on seven, uh, you know, seven on seven drills, I think, you know, maybe that influences who they draft, but mm-hmm. I don't know. That report came out that they said, you know, we we, we at the time sort of scoffed at it, uh, but there was a, a new story out there, whether credible or not, saying that Ryan Poles wasn't exactly thrilled with Mr. Borum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I did not see that report, by the way, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, by the way, I want to uh, just reply to Skeet Dog's uh, 
saying, although Jenkins played left tackle in college and he moved to right tackle due to the fact of an injury of another player, that that was more he was more comfortable playing left tackle. And you're absolutely right, Skeet Dog. He, you know, give Jenkins a lot of credit. He was slated to play the left tackle position. He played, I think, a bit in his junior year. But uh, and when an injury to the right tackle happened, the uh, replacement player said, I'm much more comfortable on the left side. And Jenkins said, hey, I'll play right tackle. Uh, I- I'll do that for the team. And that was great that Jenkins did that, knowing that he was probably hurting his draft value a little bit because left tackles traditionally are paid more because it's traditionally the blind spot of the defense. Although I still I I, I contend that that's no longer the case now because the uh, a lot of teams are uh, realize that the best blocker is put at the left tackle. So what do they do? They move their best pass rusher over to the right side. And, you know, you see that with a lot of players. But nonetheless, your point is well taken, Skeet, that uh, Jenkins did play left tackle. So there is familiarity with that. But I'm going by the word of a couple of people that I trust saying that he's just much better at the right tackle position. And Greg Gabriel is not one of those people. Greg believes that Jenkins can play the left tackle position and play it well. So uh, it's just, you know, a, a, a difference of opinion there. Um, one other thing that I wanted to mention regarding what I was really impressed with, with Matt Eberflus, Dan, is when he talked about coaching the coaches, that is the way to do the head coaching job. You make sure that you've got your coaches playing, uh, doing their job at a hundred percent level, hundred percent, because that every year you have to rely on players making progress, getting a little bit better than they were last year, or maybe a lot better than they were last year. How does that happen? Well, a lot of that is with their own self individual development. They're, uh, they're, they're practicing, they're, they're studying the playbook, uh, their maturity level improves, but, What's the other way? It's through great coaching, through great coaching. And so if if Eberflus is getting the optimum out of his coaches, then there's a very good chance he's going to get the optimum out of his players. That, to me, sounded so great, unlike that bald-headed fuck guy <laughs> who he didn't care about shit like that. He he wanted to call the great play that people were saying, wow, that Matt Nagy, he sure knows how to call plays. He didn't, he didn't care about that stuff. He didn't talk about it enough. There was no, there was no uh, trust in him to do that. He just wanted to be the offensive coordinator. And I hope he does get to get, gets a chance to call plays for, for, you know, no so that he can be exposed again. <laughs> I honestly think if we were Kansas City fans, we'd but we'd be on here saying all we need is to protect Mahomes, let him drop back and throw the ball, mm-hmm. and Matt Nagy's going to come in trying to play fucking trick ball and stuff with these stupid misdirection and all this stuff. He's going to ruin that whole fucking team. Mm-hmm. Well, not only is he going to ruin that team. But it's it could you know it could last for years. I mean, we we might have heard the last of the Chiefs uh, being a playoff contender, but we'll see. I, I'm not fucking worried about the the Chiefs and Matt Nagy anymore. because they've got a lot of draft picks. Yeah. So. Before I get to the Justin Fields uh, audio, I want to bring in a gentleman who um, went on vacation, so he missed one show. It's acceptable, right? 
Dan, you don't have a problem with the guy going on vacation and missing the show, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Especially if, you know, he was like on a boat somewhere, you know, and taking a, a trip. It wasn't like he was just at the house and just said, fuck you guys, I'm watching a movie. This guy was at Siesta Key. And when I watch the MTV show, Siesta Key, it's nothing but rich people in blondes with blue hairs with immaculate figures and, and guys walking around with money falling out of their their swimming trunks and so forth. That's where he was. And then last week, he's got this fucking rare disease that I never fucking heard of. Did you ever hear that disease? That I think it was called erectile dysfunction, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, let's find out from him. Johnny Zantucci, how are you? Hello. <laughs> there I am. <laughs> Don't there, get rid of Dan. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll find a place for Dan. Uh, yeah, yeah. I missed a couple shows. Missed the butterflies. Uh, you know, had a, had a vacation. Went to beautiful Sarasota and Siesta Key. Boy, it's beautiful down there. Went to Harry Potter World too for one day. Took the girls. You know, I went on a cruise. Although uh, dolphin sighting it was, it was dolphin manatee and Cliff Victorias. But we only saw dolphins and manatees. There was no Cliff Victoria sighting. <laughs> Itchy ball syndrome is what Mule says you probably had. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had uh, I had diverticulitis, which is like I pro probably because I've been doing keto and paleo and I've been eating too much nuts and seeds. And uh, you know, I, I must have gotten one in the lining of my digestive tract that got infected. Oh, it was, it was very painful. It was very yeah, you painful. Said you, were, you said you were kneeled over in pain because it was so painful. Yeah, very painful. Had to be helped out of bed and helped out of the car by my wife and you know, hunched over like an old man. But, uh, uh, you know, it was uh, uh, it went away pretty quick with the uh, about three days to go away with the antibiotics. So, yeah. Well, you look good and uh, you sound good. And anything you want to talk about, Eberflus, based on what you heard from his press conference, what's your overall opinion on him? Has it gotten a little bit better than your initial impression? Yeah, definitely. Um, still too early to uh, to pass judgment, you know, because uh, I mean, I, Dan would probably remember uh, better than I did how, how we were feeling. <laughs> Chew your food. <laughs> That's right. I, I wasn't, probably wasn't chewing. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dan, Dan could probably remember how we felt about uh, Matt Nagy getting hired. We probably were like so excited, so excited for Matt. Nagy. That's true because we are all saying at least he's not an asshole and rude like uh, John Fox. Exactly. <laughs> uh, how did that turn out? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, Neil says uh, that he's old. That he, that he had diverticulitis succulitis also. Yeah. Stay away from the spices for a while, Teach. It sucks. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so yeah, uh, you're feeling a little bit better about Eberflus, uh, Teach, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I tell you, I, I like what I hear more and more every day. Uh, it's uh, it's meant to. Uh, we, it's still wait and see. I, th I think uh, uh, Steve and me was in there saying, "Hey, let's just not let's not crown him yet, right?" It's, Mm -hmm. See what he's see see how everything works. I mean, it's it's going to be rough, you know. I mean, but like I said, the uh, last time I was on the show, you know, you were asking about the Bears free agents. Although I hadn't, I, I didn't hear a lot any of these guys. You know, it's mm -hmm. just 
I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody knows uh, knows a lot about any of these guys. You know. Well, yeah, there there was no big name free agent signing. You know, other than the guy who failed the physical, yeah, uh, and Joby. But yeah, it it is it is a little concerning um, that this team is is really headed towards a transition year. It's like uh, when I, when I listen to Dan Bernstein's interview. Uh, with uh, 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 Dane Brugler, which I'll have a, a snippet of. Dan described it as this is going to be definitely a transitionary year for the Bears, and I think that's the absolute best way to put it. We cannot expect the playoff run with the roster as it's currently assembled. And even if you uh, hit a home run or score a touchdown in this upcoming draft, you still you still have to temper expectations what we need to see first and foremost is the quarterback. Dan has been saying it. I've been saying it. Tuch, I think you've been saying it. This quarterback has to make a major jump. So how does that happen? You give him some weapons and you give him some protection. Now, I, I agree with someone earlier. Uh, Stephen Mee said that today that he disagreed with me saying that um, you need a better offensive line than just an average offensive line. I totally agree with that. I, I totally agree. But if you don't have a, a great offensive line or if injuries have knocked out a couple of your starters, there's ways to uh, scheme around that. Uh, but, yeah, if you want to have a great offense, it starts with your offensive line. They've got to give the quarterback protection because a great offense is typically going downfield for, for quick scores. I don't want you to temper your expectations. The reason what I'm selling you the reason why I think the Bears can be a surprise team, now, none of us know what the roster is going to look like. There's like 40 open slots before training camp. However, I'm telling you that for years, and a lot of people said this when we had Jay Cutler too, and I disagreed, that we, we need a quarterback. Mm -hmm. We need a quarterback. I think we have a franchise quarterback, which arguably we haven't had the majority of all of our lives, right? Mm -hmm. And we've got a better coach. Mm -hmm. Coaching matters. Coaching matters. We have better coaches and a quarterback. So for all these other years, we had above average players here, there, and maybe a couple of great players, but maybe not great coaching and definitely not great quarterback play. So maybe fields and, and better coaching elevates the team. And I think it will. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you there. Um, are you going to play the uh, Justin Fields? Yeah, I'm going to play Justin Fields, but I just want to uh, just reply to what Dan said. Dan is absolutely right. I mean, if feel, it, it, it all really depends on Justin Fields, right? You know, uh, if if he can make that huge leap where he is scoring on one, he's scoring touchdowns on one out of three touchdown uh, drives. You know, that's going to cover up a lot of warts. This is. You know, the Aaron Rodgers Packers, uh, they've had years where that team was bad, but Aaron Rodgers made them good. As much as I hate that motherfucker, and uh, and I've changed my opinion, when he threw that ball to that kid's feet, in, <laughs> he should have been arrested. <laughs> he should have been, yeah. <laughs> so I I'm with him. Dude, what do you think? Do you think that Justin Fields can play to such a level that all of a sudden we see a winning record and a push for the playoffs? I think it's possible. I, I don't think I, I don't think it's probable though. I, I know uh, someone in the chat room 
said uh, over under for wins about seven and a half. I gotta I gotta kind of agree with that. Said know, that yeah. yeah, I'm kind of on the same page. I mean, uh, Justin Fields is still learning the pro game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and I, I, I and I don't think that the way this uh, roster's going to be constructed this year, at least. I Dan. Dan made a very salient point that next year is a better year for free agents and the Bears will be in a lot better position. So, I mean, like uh, uh, the general consensus, if, if you know, when I was doing chat uh, in there is that uh, this year might be a little rough, you know, uh, coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I've been looking at some of these guys on the, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, that we've signed. Like I said, I don't know many of them. Byron Pringle. You know, uh, he's excellent. He really he, he is. should be pretty good. Justin Jones should be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, you know, they, they're signing, t- they're signing more tight ends also. So it's like, yeah. we're trying to <laughs> catch up with the, the dozen that we had on the, before the season. You you're, you're <laughs> making my point for me though. The bald fuck is yeah. gone. He's gone. But the better offense. That's the best the quarterback that I believe in. I don't know why the bears can't win nine or 10 games. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, uh, I think they'll be uh, they'll be more competent than last year, you know, with these players who are uh, uh, they'll be hungrier, you know. Uh, the, these guys that they signed, you know, uh, they're, they're all guys who are trying to prove themselves in this league, if you ask me, because nobody's heard right. of them, you know. Uh, you you have the the two tight ends they signed. They're guys that like uh. Once or twice a year, they have really big games like Ryan Griffin and James O'Shaughnessy, guys they signed in the past week or so at tight end. Uh, they 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 pop up in fantasy, you know, if <laughs> they've got like a three touchdown day or something, you know, it's like. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm not, I'm I'm not expecting much from the year. That's the main uh, main thing. Um, and they, you know, they 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 do have the the field stretcher in in. Uh, Pringle and, and Equinemius St. Brown. It was prop. At least we know we're only going to have one Equinemius on the team, right? Although there won't be two. If there the- are, if there are two, I will suck Aaron Rush. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, someone invented a new word. It's like, folks, we we must we must divide up all of the assets equanimously. <laughs> that's good dude. See, i always think ignoramius or ignoramus when i hear his name oh i i never associated that let's hope that uh, let's hope he's the not last dumb. time we hear that well, i know i i've seen a lot of stories about the saint brown family you know the, yeah. he, their dad is a world famous uh bodybuilder and he raised these two kids to be athletes and to be superlative athletes um and the one in Detroit looks good. He looks really, really good. And yeah. and Equinemius, you know, when he came out of Notre, Notre Dame, I don't think that he was – anyone thought that he was going to be a spectacular wide receiver, but uh, definitely have better numbers than he did under uh, – with Green Bay uh, uh, playing with Aaron Rodgers. So it's it's a little weird. Maybe he'll get the love here. Clearly, you know, the Bears' new offensive coordinator thinks highly of him because he wouldn't yeah. be a Chicago Bear otherwise. So maybe he can unlock that potential. You know, and sometimes Aaron Rodgers just gets so locked in with Devontae Adams that he fails to find open receivers downfield. So, especially in the postseason. Yep. <laughs> well put, Dan. <laughs> I get it, Dan. <laughs> I was, um, I say that because Dan 
uh, I, I've always said, you know, you can't argue that fucking Aaron Rodgers is great. And then Dan would respond uh, by saying, well, in the postseason he isn't. And I would say, well, well, well let me look at the numbers. And, and Dan was fucking right, man. <laughs> Those numbers are not yeah, good. You met Reggie Jackson was Mr. October. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Aaron Rodgers is taking that from him. <laughs> only the only difference is Reggie Jackson was Mr. October because of baseball playoffs. Yeah. I, man, I remember that series too. I'm sure Aldo does too. And then and then right a, after the series that came out with a candy bar called the Reggie Bar. Yeah. That was freaking awesome. <laughs> the Reggie was like it was like chocolate caramel peanuts and rice krispies. It was really good. I don't know if anyone what's his name? Foster probably remembers that. Foster covers probably remembers the Reggie Bar. By the way, there is a huge grocery store chain here in the Chicago area called uh, Mariano's, and they carried a uh, a cereal named after Eddie Jackson. What? Oh, God, that was the worst. worst what, what does it miss your teeth? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they, it's Olay <laughs> flavored uh, uh, cereal based on his tackling technique. <laughs> I, I think this guy's gone after this year. I really do. I, I I hope I'm completely wrong about him and somehow, some way, he tells us all to suck his dick this year with his play. But man, this guy just seems like he is the poster boy for I got paid and I lost all my heart. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you know they they realize we're kind of stuck with this guy. We're not getting trade offers, yeah. and we talked about him on the phone with other general managers. There's definitely not any interest, so we got to stick with him for another year because there is that potential out on his contract. Nobody wanted a free safety that doesn't tackle? I'm so surprised. (laughs) Well, you know, it would be nice. Okay, if you're going to forfeit tackling, at least get me three, four, five, six interceptions, you know, like you did. It's like he hasn't had a pick in like two years either. Yeah, that's the problem, you know. He he, he just is not playing effectively. Now, there is is good news. After late in the season, when he kind of realized, yeah, this head coach, is not coming back next year. I better start playing a little harder. He did. He yeah. did play fairly well in those last two games, but he's got a lot to prove uh, to this organization and to Bears fans. And frankly, so does Justin Fields. We all have a, a lot of high hopes for him, but this is a a huge year for Justin Fields. He clearly has to make a leap. And whether you believe Mike Florio or not, and again, Mike Florio was speculating on the whole Justin Fields trading thing. I don't think you know. I don't think he's got a source at Hallis Hall. I don't think he knows anything. Um, and for those other media outlets and, and and Bears Twitter to start speculating that Fields is going to be traded, that's just asinine. I mean, frankly, it's asinine. He's not going anywhere. Justin Fields is the quarterback for the 2022 season. Now, if he does not play well, then I would not be surprised. You know, the Bears then will probably have a top five, top ten pick. I wouldn't be surprised they might be looking at a quarterback. Um, but, you know, that's all pure speculation on this point. And my expectation is, is that Justin Fields is going to be a great quarterback and that Dan is going to feel better about the hundreds of dollars in jerseys and jackets that he's bought. <laughs> I've already got three Fields jerseys. And to your dismay, I had to fight to keep the one because of Cleveland. That's right. That's I'm wearing right. that hoodie right now, the starter one. Are you? Uh, from- yeah, again, if I hadn't have fought 
I, I honestly believe my jersey and my hoodie would have never been returned. Yeah, somebody in Cleveland uh, working in the uh, valet service would have been wearing it right now. <laughs> They're wiping their ass, having their kids or their, their animals shit on it. <laughs> this is for people who don't know, Dan and I were in Cleveland, and he accidentally left behind his... No, 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 I, I didn't leave. <laughs> okay. I went to please, piss. Please tell the story. I went to piss... And I came back and they said that the car was filled, you know, with our stuff. Uh-huh. It's my fault for not double checking. Right. But the jersey and my sweatshirt, my hooded sweatshirt were left behind the counter mm-hmm. because they refused to let us load the car. Like we're fucking adults, but we couldn't load our own car. So then they said, well, it's been loaded for you or whatever. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, let's go. And somewhere along Canton, I was like. You know what I didn't see? My fucking jersey and my hoodie. And Brandy was like, oh, my God, I didn't either. Oh, God. And then that's when I called you, and you're like, God damn it, stop calling me. So- <laughs> <laughs> I'm driving. I'm getting these panicked phone calls. I'm like, well, what the fuck do you, you want me to do? I'm driving. Well, I the- <laughs> didn't know if it all had to go through you because your the <laughs> reservation was in your name, like my begging and pleading to get the stuff mailed to me. So, yeah. Well, uh, and uh, fortunately, you fought for it, and you got it, and so uh, Justin feels better better appreciate that when we tell him the story someday. <laughs> yep, otherwise we're going to make you wear a Brock Forsey jersey. <laughs> He's probably got one. <laughs> yeah, no, but- I don't. Dude, I think Phil's the only one that bought that. Phil Forsey? <laughs> He <laughs> yeah, he said. Oh, uh, another bad draft pick by Philip Dorsey. Just kidding, Phil. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's play some uh, Justin Fields, and then we can comment on it uh, immediately afterwards. Here is Justin Fields at the April 19th press conference. I'm doing the last few months as far as working with Luke and trying to get a handle on the offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, you know, uh, just getting with him and, you know, going through the offense, of course, and, uh, one big thing was, you know, changing my drop. Uh, last year in the gun, I had my right foot forward, so I've been working a lot uh, with my left foot forward in the uh, gun. What does that do for you? Um, it just, you know, their their offense is it's just what they do in their offense. It times are better with routes and stuff like that. So that's that's why we do it. Anything other than that that Luke is emphasizing this early phase with you that he really wants you to to focus in on? Um, right now, you know, we're just trying to, you know, just get the offense uh, installed and um, just you know get this thing kind of going. So just kind of. Uh, building just day by day right now. If you look back at your rookie year, how would you describe it? Uh, a lot of ups and downs, but I definitely learned a lot. So, um, you know, thankful for all the experiences and, um, you know, stuff we had to go through. And um, it's the, the stuff last year just is just going to make me better. So, of course, I'm excited for you too. Do you think you were always put in the best position to succeed last year? I think I was always put in the best position to succeed. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, but at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. You, you just have to, you know, handle what you got and, you know, try to make the best out of it. So, yeah. Justin, when you talk about how this year feels different this season, do you feel empowered and emboldened to run the show out there when you guys get out to practice that this is now your team to run? Uh, yeah, of course, you know. Um, you know, last year was uh, my rookie year, of course. You know, my first year in the league, didn't know if I was going to start or not, didn't know if, if I was going to play. So uh, my mindset right now is completely different than last year. And uh, like I said before, I'm just excited to get started. What are your expectations of attendance for this voluntary camp from your teammates? And did you make any phone calls or texts to try and get guys here? Uh, I mean, you know, especially on the offensive side of the ball, we, we needed everybody uh, we could get here. So, um, you know, defense, of course, they have new plays going into. So um, I think we have everybody on offense. 
which is good. And um, you know, I think maybe a few guys are missing on defense, but um, you know, I'm pretty confident they'll come back and uh, get get caught up. So uh, offensive side, we're looking pretty good though. This is kind of an open-ended question, but what do you know now that you didn't know a year from now when you got drafted about what it takes to be an NFL quarterback? A lot. I mean, you can't even. There's there's not one place you can start, but. I just, you know, have a lot of, you know, more knowledge now, and I'm you know, going through a whole season. You learn a lot of things, and you know, you start incorporating things in your routine to, uh, you know, make you a better football player. So I'm excited. What did you learn about dealing with? You mentioned the ups and downs. What did you learn about dealing with the downs? Because in college, it didn't look like you had a whole lot of downs. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't really do anything but you know deal with it and keep fighting, keep fighting for another day, and you know, keep working. Um, if stuff doesn't go your way, you gotta. Fell till you get your way to the top. Um, I saw like a video the other day, just you know, failing till you succeed. So um, no matter how many times I fail, I'm just gonna keep going until I eventually succeed. So Ryan Poles had mentioned Justin that you were down in Atlanta working with some of your guys this off season, some throwing sessions. Because he noticed that like the continuity with you and your receivers last year was one of the things he wanted you to work on. Who have you been working with down there, and how have you been able to build some of that continuity? Uh, yeah, Moon and uh, Cole came down there for a week or two, so we just you know got together down there. Worked out a little bit and, and uh, threw some routes. So, what were your impressions of some of the guys that were added to the offense, and how can they make this offense different for you in year two? Uh, yeah, of course we got a lot of new guys, and um, they're very talented. So I'm excited to um, you know just see what they can do on the field, and you know uh, just just bring their skill sets to our offense. So I'm excited. There's a sense that next week they'll, they'll probably try to add a few new guys to your side of the ball in the draft. Have you, have you just out of intrigue looked at this receiver class that's coming out just for, for your own personal interest? Oh Yeah, of course. I mean, there's a lot of guys coming out this, this year's draft and um, a lot of guys that are talented. So I'm excited to see who we get, excited to see who my uh, guys from Ohio State go to. So I'm excited for next week. What's your, what's your scouting report on Alave and what, what from playing with him, what uh, excites you about him as a receiver? I mean, he can he's fast, of course. Um, he has great hands, great route runner, and um, he's probably one of the best deep ball trackers that I've ever played with in my life. So, um, you know, he's a great player, great person. And um, just his mindset and the way he carries himself is, is awesome. So, he's my guy. You talk about all, all the knowledge you have now, more knowledge in, in year two, but it's a new offense and it's going to be a lot of new guys on the offense. What are some of the challenges for you to go with that? Yeah, I mean, I think you answered your own question just by learning the offense, you know. It would be easier if you know it was the same offense as last year, and we just you know were able to grow on that. But I mean, uh, kind of just resets as the rookie year with uh, learning this new offense and just kind of picking it up. So um, it's, that's I think that's going to be the most challenging part with uh, you know this new uh, coaching regime is just learning this new offense and making sure we all get it down to the details. Justin, of all the things you went through last year, what will be the most beneficial, especially considering you are starting fresh with a new? Um, I think there are a lot of things that are going to be beneficial this year. Just, you know, uh, my experience out, out on the field and, you know, me spending time out there and, uh, you know, seeing the speed of an NFL game, seeing, you know, uh, just the feeling of, of being out there. It's just different from being on the sideline. So uh, I'm, I'm just glad I got, you know, that experience last year. And like I said before, I'm excited for a year two. Justin, have you had interactions with Ryan Poles throughout the course of this offseason? I have talked to Ryan a little bit and we just, you know, kind of, uh, gotten to know each other, and you know our relationship has has grown a lot over these past couple of months. What are those interactions like? Do you feel that uh, a growing connection with him? Do you feel like you feel the trust from him? I mean, yeah. Uh, I think with any relationship, you can't force it. So um, I think as time goes along, you know our relationship will uh, naturally grow and naturally get stronger. So um, just that just comes with time and you know, spending more time with each other. Justin, with how many times?
times. Um, you got sacked last year. Is there anything you're working on with your quarterbacks coach or anything you're doing on your own, either here or in Atlanta, to maybe get rid of the ball faster? Anything with you know along those lines that you're trying to carry into this season? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's stuff in the film last year. You can see that, um, you know, uh, of course there were some instances where it was my fault that I got sacked. So um, it's, at, at, at the end of the day, it just comes to you know limiting those mistakes and getting the ball out and, and not taking those sacks. So what have been some of your what have been some of your impressions of, of Janoko and working with him? Yeah, he's 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 energetic. Um, you know, he comes with a positive uh, vibe every day. So him, he's the same every day, which I love about him. And um, he's very detailed when explaining concepts and plays and stuff like that. And um, you can just tell that you know he loves the game. He he knows a lot of stuff. So I'm excited to get to work with him, and uh, I can't wait to get on the field with him today. Ryan has, Ryan has talked about his desire to add a dependability piece for you, a guy that in big moments you can trust and rely on. When you've had that guy at previous levels, what are, what are some of the traits that go into a, a, a guy that, that you as a quarterback feel is dependable? Uh, I think there's, you know, multiple things. I think, one, you got to have that connection. Uh, you all have to be on the same page with, you know, what concept you're running, with what coverage you're running to. And then I think the second thing is just that, you know, it factor, that mentality, that, you know, dog mentality where, you know, no, no matter, you know, what situation it is, what coverage it is, who's guarding you, um, that he's, he's, he's going to make a play. So just, you know, that mentality and having, uh, you know, that you know, mentality in big moments will, uh, I guess, I guess, describe that player that you're talking about. Justin, what's the process been like getting to know Coach Eberflus and being that he's a defensive-minded head coach? What, what are kind of your daily interactions with him? Um, yeah, I mean, with him, you know, I've just been kind of getting to know him as a person. He sits in on our meetings a lot so um, you know we've we've gotten a chance to talk to him a lot and you know I've gotten to know him a lot more these these past few weeks but yeah he's a great person um, I can tell that he loves you know this this game and I can tell that he, he really wants us to be great so um, you know he has a plan and you know we're gonna follow after his lead and you know we're, we're, we're all excited to get this thing going all right I've got a question for y'all though okay and I don't want to be Matt Nagy here and be too proud to admit something. I don't know who he was asked about there. Who's Janoko? Uh, the new quarterback coach. Okay, I was going to say, who the fuck is that? I was like, was that the new center from Green Bay? I was like, no, his name's Patrick or something, right? <laughs> right. Uh, I was like, who is Janoko? So I'm glad you uh, all don't mock me and stone me for saying that, but I didn't realize the new quarterback coach's name. So. No, no, we got to get used to all these uh, guys. Uh, it's it's a uh, new world. Uh, Andrew Janoko, as Stephen Nagishi spells it out for us in the chat room. And I've seen some uh, uh, video of him. He's, this guy sounds like he is brilliant, you know. But I felt the same way about John DiFilippo uh, that last year, and uh, you know that that didn't turn out to be. Since since I saw John DiFilippo outline plays while he was with uh, the quarterback coach with the Eagles, since then he was hired as the Vikings' offensive coordinator and fired mid-season, <laughs> and and then uh, I, I, he went somewhere else, and then the Bears picked him up, and clearly he didn't uh, have any results uh, with uh, any positive results. Well, least. we don't even know that. I mean, Matt Nagy was probably still True. calling all the plays the whole time. True. He might have just been getting coffee for, for Nagy. <laughs> True. You know, I uh, wish we could get somebody on air, like Mark Helfrich or somebody like that, that would just spill the fucking beans on yes. this guy. Yes. Find out which guy ground the best coffee beans. Mm -hmm. and, and he was able to use the French press the best. <laughs> get Akeem Hicks back on. 
uh, I, I've been asked again what bourbon I'm drinking. It is uh, Driftless Glen. You can find it over at Benny's. It really is some good stuff. Um, all right. So let me start with Tooch. What was the biggest thing that Justin said there that you felt awesome or you felt uh, that concerns me? Well, his his mood seems a lot better. <laughs> that's <laughs> right? like the cloud lifted. You know, he's <laughs> opened up a little bit. He, he it seemed, you know, he, he's he, it's like you know, uh, uh, he's happy to go to work. Like you know, when you you uh, you, you have a job like that, you're like, I hate going into the office. Then something changes. You're like, man, I love going into work now. You know, it's so much better. That's that's. That's what it seems like, you know, right now, just, just from watching the whole, mm-hmm. the whole of the interview. What about you, Dan? Uh, what struck, uh, what struck out, what struck out, what struck you? I just feel like he's the guy, man. I listened to him talk. And again, he, he's better at talking than Trubisky, which means nothing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Mitch always spoke in cliches and told you what he's supposed to say, like, like robotic. Yes. Yeah, and well. I just feel like Fields, you know, maybe says, of course, too much. But <laughs> I, I, man, I, I, again, I, when I take away from these press conferences, which mean not, they, they mean nothing, it's April 19th. Mm-hmm. But I just think we're headed in the right direction. A couple of things uh, stood out to me was uh, he took responsibility for the fact, the absolute fact that he was sacked sometimes because it was his fault. You know, the offensive line, um, got too much blame for the sack totals and you got to sometimes blame the quarterback or you got to sometimes blame the wide receivers. And those guys are sometimes the least to be blamed for sacks, but sometimes it's their fault. Uh, They don't run the right pattern. Uh, They're slow out of their breaks. They're just not doing things to help the offense run efficiently and, uh, and field sometimes held the ball too long, you know, um, throw the ball into the dirt, do the things to avoid the sack. And so he took responsibility for that. Then the other thing that struck me was when he was asked about his relationship with Ryan Poles, clearly the reporters that were asking that because of the Mike Florio report, and it was obvious that Poles and and, and Fields are developing a relationship. And it's a, a relationship that's going to take time to build Fields has to prove himself to Poles because Poles is the man in charge. Poles did not select Justin Fields. But this is the way you do it. You do it by having face-to-face meetings. You get do it by getting to know each other. You do it by asking questions, getting answers, having dialogue. And so that is really, really important to me. I hope that they continue to have these face-to-face meetings. And so that way Poles can make a very intelligent decision because let's say – Fields goes out there and has an average season and that he just doesn't light things up. But because of the interactions that Poles has had with Fields and because of interactions that he's had with his coaching staff about Fields, that he feels convinced that year three is that turnaround season, that's important because we shouldn't expect things to automatically turn for fields in one season after he's come off a year of horrible coaching of coaching that may have retarded his progress as opposed to advanced his progress. And so one of the ways to ensure that this guy is going to be a franchise quarterback is to establish a relationship with this general manager. And so who knows, maybe he, he tells post 
please get me Chris Olave, or please get me this other guy, Jameson, or, or, or get me this, or this is what I need on the offensive line, or can can we have a meeting with the uh, offensive coordinators, uh, uh, the, the offensive coaches to talk about this and so forth. Those kinds of dialogue, honesty uh, type of uh, conversations are vital for a young quarterback to succeed as opposed to what pace and 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 Nagy did with Trubisky, which is virtually ignore him, not not listen to any of the advice that Trubisky had that would help him play better. So I th- I uh, thought that was big. I'll tell you what I saw from Justin Fields last year, and to what you were saying about comparing it. Uh, it what if he has an average year this year? First off, if he has an average year in 2022. That will be so much better than what he he did last year that we'll all be happy. I agree. An average year would be something like Mitch did, right? Like 3,000 yards. Mm-hmm. Yes. At this point, I mean, 3,000 yards in 1984 was a big deal. But now nowadays, I mean, you know, an average quarterback can do that. So <clears throat> last year, what I saw, other than the game I was at in Pittsburgh in the second half, when it was more or less just like street ball because you're down in – uh, you don't have a lot of time, and you know it's just like he was free willing, and they didn't have time for the coach to get in his fucking way. Mm-hmm. He had a couple possessions against San Francisco that he looked dynamic, but for the most part, I saw in 2021 a guy that the coach was ho- holding him back. And I mean, what I mean by that is, like I said on air, it felt like he was simply to complete a pass felt like it was just so arduous that he couldn't do it, mm-hmm. and that's all on coaching. So for for more more or less two games, and maybe the first drive of that Packer game at Soldier Field where Rodgers told us he owned us, Fields never got into a rhythm the entire season. Even when we beat the Raiders, he got the shit beaten out of him, and it was power run game that day. And and not at any point were they able to just get him into a rhythm or build some fluidity. I mean, you're running all these short fucking shallow crosses. You would think – all right, let's get him a couple easy passes. They never did. So I felt like subsequently he was losing confidence in himself and the coaching staff. And it looks like to me when I juxtapose that with today that he's back to himself thinking, I mean, maybe it's not fair. I don't think he is necessarily blaming Nagy, but because you got you to gotta say you're the player. You put, you're the one who put the, the, you know, the, the tape, like he says, it doesn't lie, right? So you're the one who was on the field. But I think he knows, man, like, all right, I got this. This fucking guy was holding me back. I'm not in shackles anymore with this stupid offense he was running. It's my time. Let's go. He seems like he's reinvigorated. I love that point that you just made, Dan. And uh, Matthew Fochizi in the chat room says, man, I hope Poles knows how to draft. Well, Matthew, I hope you know how to draft, and I hope Jordan Silveria knows how to draft, and I hope Laz64 knows how to draft, because those three and a number of other people I've invited to come on a show tomorrow at 7 p.m. Central and share their mock drafts and talk about why they selected those players. And I've got an uh, an open invitation to anyone else who wants to send me their mock draft. We'll talk about it on the show, or if you want to appear on the show, I'll figure out a way to squeeze you in. Send me a uh, DM on Twitter, uh, direct message on Twitter. That's at Barroom Network, or send me an email, Aldo at BearsBarroom.com. So that's tomorrow at 7 p.m. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Tooch, any uh, you want to reply at all to what Mr. Dan Aguirre said there about uh, Justin Fields? Because I'll tell you one thing, Dan 
kind of fired me up. All of a sudden, my record of uh, six and eleven has now moved to seven and ten. <laughs> before, before John, <laughs> one more thing about my point, please, and please then do. I'd, I'd love to hear his response. Mm-hmm. Over the years, when we had average quarterbacks, whether that be Shane Matthews or Jim Miller, I'm not trying to shit on these guys. Mm-hmm. I'm saying a lot of times they they played better than what their talent was. And how did we do that? Whether that was John Shoup as a coordinator, you know, you you throw a screen pass to Anthony Thompson, you th- or Anthony Thomas, you throw a short pass to Fred Baxter, and then suddenly you go, you know, then there's a little shallow cross for Des White, and then boom, Marty Booker's deep. You you establish some kind of confidence for the guy to get him into a rhythm by having easy completions. And then everything else comes together. It's like they absolutely didn't try to do that for fields. It never, there was like never an emphasis. Okay. Let's build his confidence. And the, the most average quarterback, the most average coaches that we've had, you could say, whether it be Dick Jerron or like I said, they, they at least try, even if it was Cade McNown, they tried to build him into a rhythm that day. And and the, the the bald fuck just never tried or or cared, but I digress. No, I I think you make good points, and you know um, there was uh, and Tuch, I'm not uh, I, I'm going to get to you in a second, but I I do want to share this. After that Cleveland game, a lot of fans were saying were speculating that Matt Nagy may have I think Dan maybe even you may have sabotaged uh, Justin Fields' performance. And I got to tell you, uh, at, at, at that time, I said, fuck, no, there's no way he's going to do that, you know, and harm his coaching career. He wants to win. He wants to keep his job and so forth. But now I'm actually starting to wonder, did he sabotage Justin Fields' uh, debut performance in Cleveland because he was upset that McCaskey was wondering why isn't Justin Fields the starter? Because in that it's been reported that at that preseason game, when Justin Fields came into the game for his very first appearance, McCaskey was there and saw the crowd electrified. Fields getting a standing in a, a ovation. And McCaskey wondering, why isn't this guy our starter? And the word is that McCaskey would ask Nagy, why isn't he the starter? And Nagy never had a good response that he would talk like he does in his press conferences, go all the way, you know, three minutes of bullshit talk, and then say he's not ready. And McCaskey was upset with that, upset with that explanation. And And if you believe Hub Hub Arkish, who still says he stands by his reporting, at some point George said he's got to be the starter. I'm sorry, he's starting. And I'm beginning to believe that that is absolute truth, even though George McCaskey himself denied it uh but fuck you know i've lied before <laughs> i mean you would i think anyone would lie at the face uh, as of an organization like that they're not gonna come out and tell you something that's gonna make them or the organization look bad and have the next regime come in thinking oh is this guy gonna overreach or overstep because george trying to get fields in allegedly I mean, that's an aberration. It's not like something he does all the time, reportedly. So, But I, I'm sure he didn't want that out to make people think that he's Jerry Jones mm-hmm. or, or Daniel Snyder, who constantly interferes with their team, you know? So I, I could see why he would lie about that or at least not want that out there, that narrative, and just to shut it down. I'm not right. saying that I advocate it, but I understand it. Yeah. 
Tooch, what are you thinking? By the way, Tooch, you look really fucking cool tonight. More cooler than you normally do. You're wearing a black <laughs> shirt uh, against that black greenish background. Oh, he's got a Bears Barroom shirt on. I love you. I love you. Big hug to you, brother. <laughs> One of the founders of Bears Barroom, Johnny. Representing. Very good. Uh, so what, I, do you think, what we've been talking about? Well, I mean, it's quite possible that George McCaskey lied just to uh, – you know, uh, divert the uh, a view that he meddles, you know, mm-hmm. that he's a meddling owner, you know, because uh, that's been the knock for quite some time. But, uh, you know, the McCaskies uh, are always meddling in the, you know, let, not letting the football people uh, do their jobs and stuff, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll never know. Uh, as far as, uh, I, I still, I still think this year is going to be a little rough, man. <laughs> like, I uh, the, the offensive line, you know, we upgraded at center. That's good. Uh, guard, I'm not so sure. It looks like white hair and and some guy named Dakota Dozier will be starting. I don't no, know he won't. He, I don't I, know. I, I don't even know he's going to make the team. To be honest, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and Larry Borum might be the right guard, but we'll see. I, to me, Larry Borum's the best offensive lineman on this roster as it currently stands wow. you know uh i i think he might be the best player we could put at left tackle as the rosters currently stands right now i, I mean i i think he played left tackle at missouri and uh he, he's got certainly uh he's got the strength and the 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 feet to do it, uh, it tevin jenkins i'm not sure is as, as quick as uh borum you know, uh, that's just me. I, I don't know. Um, I'll tell you one I, thing, John, that I think lends credence to what you're talking about. You know, the tape that we saw, the college tape that we saw on Larry Borum is much different than the Larry Borum who showed up to yeah. camp last year because he went through an off-season regimen of losing weight and becoming more limber and agile and athletic. And he's a different player than that college tape. There's no doubt about it in my mind. I mean, the guy that I saw lining up for the Chicago Bears is not the same guy that I saw in the college tape. And the college tape wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. (laughs) Yeah, no, his tape was great. You know, he he didn't get beat a lot. Uh, And then uh, he he played when he did get a chance with the Bears. He he did play uh, uh, pretty good. But I I still think uh, there's – there's players out there that uh, the Bears could sign, you know, uh, to play left tackle. I mean, uh, Eric Fisher, he's mm-hmm. still out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy that Ryan Poles probably knows pretty well. Just waiting to see, you know, maybe his price will come down. I don't know. Maybe, may, you know, maybe uh, they're waiting to see what how what what well how the draft turns out. They don't get a guy at tackle. They're going to be knocking on on Eric Fisher's door. I guarantee you that somebody like that. I, I, somebody he's going to play next season. There's no oh, yeah about it. Uh, the 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 yeah, no doubt is and you know and after June first, there's going to be cuts of certain players and maybe there's a a veteran offensive li- uh, lineman a left tackle who might be intriguing for the Bears as a bridge to uh to somebody somebody in the chat said earlier you know the bears are going to have a bad record this season maybe their number one draft pick next year which would be a top five top ten pick would be a left tackle and hell you know yep, uh, yep. so if you find a bridge player to play that position and uh and tailor the offense to keep justin healthy 
I would I would buy that. I, I'm I have to be patient because the the route that Ryan Poles has taken for building this team it is is meticulous and and it demands our patience. I hope Dan is right that we have a winning season. Somebody in the chat room earlier said, you know, that he is typically very very cautious about predicting records, but he's got the Bears at 11 wins this season because of how the division looks and so forth. And I I, I apologize. I should start these so I can remember who wrote these. Um, but it is, you know, it, it, it does seem like there's anything that can be bad but encouraging to actually good and maybe contend for a playoff. I think that's the range that we, we're in. Now, Tuch, I hear you saying that maybe we could be in, headed towards a disaster. <laughs> is, that, is that right? Well, I mean, it, it... – It'll it could be it could be ugly, but this is the kind of what you have to go through with the young quarterback, you know. I mean, I, I'm not I don't think Justin Fields rookie season was much of an education under Matt Nagy, and I think that he'll learn a lot more in his second year under the coaching staff that he has this year. Uh I, third year though, I'm expecting big things. I, I think he'll show you some good flashes. He may he may get you one or two wins all by himself next year. And we we don't know how how all of these no name free agents that we signed you know I don't know whether uh, Ryan Poles could just be creating a lot of competition at positions making players yep. uh, uh, better that way through competition you know a yep. crucible of fire so to speak you know just putting throwing these players in there you know under pressure to see which guys come out on top you know I. Safety doesn't look very promising to me with Houston Carson and Eddie Jackson. I don't know. I, they they got to upgrade at safety. They, they probably need to upgrade at guard. I'm not so sure Cody Whitehair's best days are are, are in front of him. I think they're, they're behind him. But, I mean, I, I don't know. The, the, the O-line is, is a big question mark. Stephen Mee says, our biggest O-line addition is Lucas Patrick, yeah. who has had serious concussion issues. We haven't made a serious move yet for offensive line. Everyone needs linemen. Our plan is to find yeah. someone in the draft. It's a risky plan. Uh, what do you think about that, Dan? I, again, I'm going to go with however they go. You can call me uh, the Bears. Uh, what was it Mike North said? Uh, ball washer. <laughs> Bears ball washer. <laughs> Bears ball washer this year, and I'm going to buy into whatever they tell me to for right now and let the new regime go. So if they draft somebody right now, then fine. But I will not concede. I'm like Al Gore in 2000 when it comes <laughs> when it comes to saying we're going to have a losing season. I don't. I mean, is it plausible? Of course, it's possible. But I, I don't know. I'm not going to say that it's out of the. I just don't know. It could be any worse than the last two or three years. I really don't. I think it, on paper, unless Fields would get hurt, God forbid, something like that. Yeah. I just don't know how we could be worse. Nomad says the unknown. That's something the Bears have going for them, and that's trouble for the, the element of surprise. Although, yeah, well, but the thing is, is that the element of surprise is usually good for a handful of games, yeah. and as the season goes on. These coaches are smart enough to figure it out. In most cases, now I have seen cases before where that element of surprise can last a, a season, but I, I, you know, it's not as often as as maybe in the past. Um, 
Dan, I love your optimism, man. I yeah. really, really do. And, and when you talk like that, I, I, man, I wish I could fly you in on Sunday so we could watch uh, the bears in our, 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 my man cave here, my bear cave. I don't want to call it man cave anymore because um, I want women here too. I want, you know, uh, I love women. Yeah. I want strippers <laughs> here. I want lap dances while I'm watching the bears game. <laughs> Maybe some of those transgenders that are so popular these days. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> but they are welcome to serve me drinks. <laughs> I do hope to get there again, though. I mean, like I said, I had it, you know, it was really rushed just because we had to drive and all that. So maybe next time if I can fly, you know, we can really hang out and spend more time together, you know? Yeah. Your man cave is, or your 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 bear, let's go with the bear cave. Bear cave. How about that? Very good. I like that. The bear cave uh, is spectacular. Thank I you. I mean, it really is. I mean, I'm not placating. It was fucking awesome. You and Aaron, man, Aaron's fucking uh, bear cave then is, is on, on, on point too, so. Yeah, Aaron McCalski. Is that uh, correct? McCalski or Michalski? McCalski. McCalski, yeah. yeah. Mikulski, yeah, he's got a great. Uh, 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 he painted the walls just exquisitely. I mean, just incredibly. Yeah, I've been thinking about doing that too. Mine's are, are red and white uh, in honor of the Blackhawks because at the time that I created this, the girls were so interested in the Blackhawks, and uh, my two daughters wanted to go to every Blackhawk game, and I got them interested in at least one sport. So I I wanted to do anything possible to. To make them happy, but now it's ready for a, a navy blue and orange uh, setup. So let's get the paint, guys, and I'll invite you over. We can all paint together. <laughs> all right, guys, I want to uh, share something with you. Uh, I was actually in the car, and I heard uh, Dane Brugler, who is one of my favorite um, writers about the draft. Dane Brugler works over at The Athletic, and for the last, what, two, three years, maybe more, He's been writing his draft profile. It's a 100-page, maybe 200-page document on all of the top uh, prospects. And what he does is really spectacular. He goes through their background. He talks about where the player came from, uh, where he grew up from, his family background, and so forth. So you can get a sense of the player and what they did in high school and, and stuff. And then he uh, provides the metrics of what they ran on their pro day and what what they did at the combine, if they played at the combine, and then they, he lists their strengths and weaknesses, and then he does a summary. And it's like I love those captions, oh, man. But, and it's like so the athletic guys. now. Was it was it CBS before? Was CBS? Is I that think what he was right. before. I think you're okay. right. That's where he was. You're absolutely yeah. right. And uh, Greg uh, Gabriel loves him, and 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 Greg yeah. uh, contacted him and said, you know, you really should be hired by an NFL team. And and he, you know, and, and Dane, who who just had uh, uh, twins, so how he could do this massive amount of work? This is usually done by a whole staff of scouts. You know, Dane Brugler himself is is doing it anyway. He was a guest. We had him on last year uh, on Draft on Tap, and I haven't reached out to him this year, but he was a guest on Six Seventy to Score with Dan Bernstein. And he talked about his mock draft. He has Christian Watson going to to the Bears uh, with their 39th pick, and he talked about the other players. But what I wanted to isolate on were a couple of questions that Dan Bernstein asked Dane regarding about what we can perhaps learn about Ryan Poles uh, with this upcoming draft. And I thought his responses were interesting. Let's take a listen. How can I watch the Bears draft? whether it's trading up, trading down, whatever the names are and the positions are, what indicators 
will tell me more about what Ryan Poles really thinks about Justin Fields? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Obviously, he he did not draft uh, Justin. We we don't know exactly, um, you know, uh, truth serum time. You know what what his exact evaluation was, uh, you know, before he he took this job. Um, but just understanding, you know, Ryan was in Kansas City for a long time, so you know he learned under a lot of different decision makers. You know, John Dorsey and Chris Ballard. Um, and then, of course, uh, with Brett Veach. And so, you know, uh, those three guys are very different with how they, uh, you know, look at talent, their philosophies on building uh, a roster, building a culture. And so I, I think he's he's had a chance to see it done a lot of different ways. And, of course, of course, all those years with, um, you know, head coach Andy Reid, you know, he, he's he's seen a lot of a lot of different ways to do it. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch as uh, as he looks to build this roster and it starts with the quarterback uh you know they he knows he has a, a chance to you know have something special here with justin Fields. I, I think that's safe to say but how does he build the offense uh, around around justin is the priority going to be offensive line is it going to be to get him more weapons in a perfect world you're doing both you know you're, you're doing everything you can but there might be a, a point in the second round uh especially you know with having two second round picks does he get the the urge to trade up and get maybe uh, say he has a, a first round grade on uh, Jahan Dotson, the, the wide receiver from Penn State? Say he slips a little bit, he's available uh, in the early second round. Do you trade your second and third uh, to go up and get him, knowing you have another second you can fall back on to address uh, you know offensive or defensive line, uh, or do you know do you think this is it's still early? You know, I'm just you know let's stay pat, let's let's wait and see who falls to us. I, I'm very interested to find out, uh, you know, just kind of what his drafting philosophy is, how aggressive he wants to be uh, as he kind of builds this roster. So I think they, just like uh, I know a lot of Bears fans, uh, very eager to find out how he attacks this draft without a first round pick, but having three picks on day two, it, it'll be interesting. Dane, your colleague at The Athletic, Shield Kapadia, wrote a really interesting mm-hmm. piece several weeks ago about the, the truths of how NFL teams make deals. And one of those, one of those absolute facts is the, is that a coach or a regime in trouble, desperate to hold on to their jobs, is can be viewed as a, a weak um, a person at the table. Mm. And sometimes that desperation is something on which they can play. What I'm wondering is, from your perspective, is there any historical data about first-year GMs, or whatever you want to call the position, anybody in charge of a draft for the first time? Are there likelihoods of, ooh, I I want to trade up for my guy, or I want to trade down to diffuse responsibility, soften the blow a little bit, have more opportunities, more spins at the wheel? Like, I'm just wondering, are there any things that, that the league thinks about somebody in charge of one of these things for an NFL team for the very first time? Yeah, no, that's a fascinating question. I, I think the results have been mixed over the years where sometimes in some cases we see it, and especially with quarterbacks, I think that's where it really shows where, uh, you know, first-year general managers, first-year coaches, if they don't absolutely fall head over heels for a quarterback, they don't necessarily feel pressured that they need to go do go in that direction. Where if you're on the hot seat, and you feel like, hey, we need a jolt to this team, and you know, let's just—we don't absolutely love this quarterback, but we recognize he has talent, and there's a chance he might work out. And so you're more inclined to roll the dice on that quarterback. Um, and so I think that's where we especially see it 
Uh, we you know we saw it last year in the first round with uh, you know like the, a new regime in Atlanta. Uh, you know they had the hometown guy with Justin Fields sitting right there for them, and they often get to go a little more conservative. And you know the Matt Ryan contract and all that was part of it, but. Uh, instead of drafting the quarterback for the future, which they could certainly use right now instead of being in quarterback limbo uh, with, with where they find themselves in that organization, uh, you know, they went with the top non-quarterback in the draft, and that was Kyle Pitts uh, last year at number four. So uh, I think more often than not, we see first-year uh, head coaches, general managers look to be maybe a little conservative uh, in terms of, you know, there's no point. You know, we don't have to be aggressive here if we don't want to be. Um, but at the, at the same time, we do see examples where uh, they want to, you know, kind of, you know, be be a little aggressive and show that hey, we we're, we mean business. We want to win. We're going to do whatever it takes. And, and so I, I think we see a little bit of both uh, with these first year guys and with, uh, you know, especially with uh, Chicago this year, uh, not having that first round pick, not likely not picking on Thursday. Uh, and then getting a, you know, a good night's sleep uh, Thursday night, wake up Friday. Uh, you know, they're going to be chomping at the bit to pick. And, and so it'll be interesting. Guys, what do you think about what was just shared there? I, for one, I, I would be shocked if Ryan Pose does make a trade, even if Chris Olave is gettable. I, I don't know, man. I, I still think that he wants to keep as many draft assets as possible. But what do you, you guys think overall – about what Dane Brugler said there. Dan, I'll start with you because I know we've got limited time with you. I thought that initially the question about that Dan uh, Bernstein asked about is there a propensity for new GMs to go one way or the other? I thought that was an excellent question. Yeah. I don't think that that's quantified. Right. And so that I, I don't think that the other gentleman could give you the answer that he was looking for. But uh, I, I just, I don't know. I don't, you could bring in any expert. You could bring Greg on. Mm-hmm. You know, someone that obviously has so much credibility, but nobody knows what Ryan Pauls is going to do until Ryan Pauls does it. So mm-hmm. anything else is just conjecture. Right. Either way, whether I agree with you that he won't make a move or that he will make a move, uh, I thought that his reference to Justin Fields with Atlanta uh, was a chilling one. I'd almost forgotten about that, that they had a shot at him. Like, ooh, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much better off would they be right now? if they had fields after they unloaded Matt Ryan for like a third round pick, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I have the sound bite you're looking for. I'm sorry. No, uh, what, what you shared was great. I appreciate that. Tooch, uh, any thoughts on what uh, Brugler shared with Bernstein? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of think uh, it, it makes a lot of sense what he was saying. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not so sure like it, it, this is his first draft with the bears. So maybe, maybe he doesn't really have any intention to trade around and stuff and may just, He's got his guys. Let's just make this first draft go as as smooth as possible, and uh, uh, you know, in these slots, build the line. I, I mean, there's a lot of talk right now that like uh, the very first picks will be either you know building in the trenches of, of not skill position players, but linemen, whether offensive or defensive. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think uh, you know, I would it would not surprise me to polls not make any moves. Get get his like draft picks spend all of them wisely, and then go into that third wave of free agency that he's been talking about. Yeah, you know, I I, I, I love the fact that we've got three picks on day two. Uh, that should be three starters. If we don't walk away with three starters from the day two picks, then that's going to be a major blemish on Ryan Poles. You know, he, um, he has had – he has to be thinking the same thing with a team with so many needs. 
you just can't miss with those three picks. You just have to land some spot, uh, starters. Now, those uh, three picks on, on day three, you know, yeah, if you want to trade down your your fifth-round pick so you could pick up a, a couple of more sixes or, or whatever, then, it, yeah, it is what it is. But your chances of landing starters on day three are much more diminished than they are when you have three day two picks. So um, I agree with a lot of people in the chat saying, you know, that uh, uh, polls is probably not going to trade, but you know, it, 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 we're all on a learning uh, phase here. We're all going to see what this new general manager is like. Is he, is he going to be aggressive? And if he is aggressive, what are the results going to be? Let's face it. You know, I've got a love for Chris Olave and if he trades up, and it's not too damaging in terms of loss of of, of of draft picks. And we land Chris Olave, and so we walk away out of this draft with maybe two starters as opposed to three. I don't know. That might be pretty good. What do you think, Dan? Uh, the whole idea of losing a potential starter because you're picking up a potential superstar wide receiver in Chris Olave. I think if that's going to happen, it's going to be through Robert Quinn. Yeah. I don't think he's going to give up a lot of draft capital. Maybe both seconds and Robert Quinn to move hope, up to the first round. I hope you're right, yeah. Something yeah, like I that. I think that. he'll make a move with the assets he has without eliminating the draft picks. That's my prediction. I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably what he's trying to do mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, Quinn had a phenomenal season, but, you know, you've already traded Cleo Mack. So you might, if you could trade to get that wide receiver, you probably would offer a 32-year-old Robert Quinn as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something that I've been thinking about is what players on the roster do you have now and are possible trade assets? So uh, Ibraflus talked about you know the, the evaluation process, and he said that you know, even stuff that they're seeing now could impact the draft next week. So, you know, he, he gave kind of a, a, an okay response about Eddie Jackson not uh, not uh, being there. But who knows? Maybe Eddie Jackson is that throw-in in a, in a trade. And the Bears do pick up a portion of his salary just to move on from him. What it, what it leaves, though, is a huge, huge hole in the safety position. Uh like Greg Gabriel says, you know, Eddie Jackson, there's a lot to blame with Eddie Jackson, but one of the things that you can't complain about is the fact that he is the quarterback of those safeties. He does call alignments. He he is smart and, and has that experience now. But I wouldn't mind seeing Eddie Jackson gone as, as much as I liked him after the 2018 season is, is as much as a, a disappointment he's been since then. Absolutely agree. Anybody else, uh, Dan or John, that you think are possible trade bait? Uh, you, when you look at this roster, would you trade David Montgomery? I wouldn't, but given his contract is up soon, that's certainly a possibility. Yep. What do you think, Tooch? I think that'd be the number one guy aside from Robert Quinn. But, I mean, you get rid of Robert Quinn, you don't have as, you know, you really weaken yourself at pass rush. Mm -hmm. The pass rushers are so hard to find. You know, granted, he's going to be moving to defensive end rather than outside linebacker. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm hesitant to give up good pass rushers. You know, he's not that old. What is he, 30, 31, Robert Quinn? 
31, I believe. 31? Yeah. Won't so, he be I mean, 32 in the fall, though? Yes, he'll be 32 in the fall. That's correct. Okay, so he'll, you know, he, he's still got some mileage left. Oh, uh, I, I, I think he's got two or three good seasons yeah. left in him. There, but then now you have to re-sign him after this season. So that, you know, all of a sudden the money that he made, if he has another season like last season, then yeah, uh, yeah. he's going to be asking for double the money he's yeah. making. Even though in which case you get nothing for him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't see polls trading up at all, man. I. Yeah. If anything, I think he'd trade back. I don't. I don't. I mean, the the guy the guy he replaced was the the guy who traded up and you know killed why this one. It's the reason why we don't have much draft capital this year. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, uh, if he wants to pad out, you know, the number of draft picks he has, he may trade away one of those second round picks, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I mean, we should get some compensatory picks for losing, you know, perhaps guys like Allen Robinson or if, if Akeem Hicks signs elsewhere, we might get a couple compensatory picks. I don't know whether right. they'll be, I don't know what round they'll be in or anything. I'm, you know, but nobody uh, knows because it's such yeah. a fucked up formula that they have that even yeah. people who follow the sport regularly don't fucking know. It's it, like it, that draft trade chart, but, you know, like the a, a, a chart from hell. Yeah, they need Jimmy Johnson to do the uh, compensatory pick charts, maybe, huh? (laughs) That would be good. I mean, if it, I just wish it was transparent so that we could know going. You know, as soon as the transactions are done, well, this will result in a blah blah blah. But you know, they've got some vague rules. Uh, Is this Dan's burner? <laughs> Three Z's world says, I think if they trade Montgomery, I'm just done with the team. It's Dan's burner accounts. I don't have a burner, I promise. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But that's pretty much how you feel, though, right, Dan? I mean, you yeah. would well, no, I mean, nah. I wouldn't like say fuck it if they traded him. I would be disappointed because I think he's a, a solid player. Yeah. It, but you know, would I be like Oh, I'm not a fan anymore. Fuck no. I'd be, I'm still here. Yeah. The thing about Montgomery is one of the reasons I love him so much is because he picks up yards after contact, you know, and the way he battles, you know, he's, he, there's been so many times where he's hit behind the line of scrimmage. And, oh, that's a negative play. And he turns it into a positive play, even if it's a yard or two, but sometimes it's, a, it's even more than that. He, he is, he's got such, and he's a leader. He's a locker room leader. He's an example leader by how hard he works. That makes him very, very valuable in my book. But with this new outside zone, a blocking technique that uh, uh, Getsy is bringing to the Bears, uh, Khalil Herbert might be the better of the two suited for this for this uh, offense. Now, yeah, I kind of feel like I did when they traded Greg Olson, where they're like, well, he just doesn't suit the offense anymore. I mean, come on. We could have played with G-Reg, and I think we could play with David Montgomery right now. I'm sorry. You said what about Greg Olson when he was traded? I said I kind of feel the same way because at the time, the idea was he wasn't suitable for Mike oh, Martz's offense. Right. Like, he, he didn't fit it. Right. I said I think we could have managed keeping number 82 with the Bears, and I think we can keep David Montgomery here as well, despite the fact, for whatever reason – you know, people can say, ah, he's not a fit. I, I think we can make him a fit. Yeah. Well, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I've said this a number of times on this show and other shows here on the Barroom Network. The whole idea that uh, you draft Greg Olson, this is on Jerry Angelo. Um, you draft Greg Olson, great draft pick. 
outstanding pick. This guy is, you know. And your quarterback's best friend. Yes, absolutely. And then you hire an offensive coordinator who thinks the tight end should be a third tackle. It's like, what are you doing here? What what are you fucking doing? Are you it's like you brought a blue outfit and now you're fucking wearing, you know, green. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the analogy is, but it, it, it was just a total fucking mistake. And I understand that Lovey Smith really wanted Mike Martz, but that's the problem. That was the problem with Lovey. I love yeah, Lovey. It's desperation. Love yes. He He's like, I, I, I don't know offense. I need so, I need a superstar offensive coordinator. Give me Mike Martz. Right. Right? And that's how you end up with guys like Brandon Monomaliuno, whose dad's burning that jersey now. <laughs> maybe at the time, I don't know. I don't want to speak for Lovey, but Mike Martz hired him as the defensive coordinator when he was in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was out of like, okay, you gave me a break. You're unemployed yeah. now. So one hand washes the other. You yeah, know? But okay. So say that, but uh, you know, hey, Mike, you know, I want to bring you in. Jerry Angel is all in, but I got to tell you, can you change your philosophy on tight ends because we've got a great fucking tight end here who can catch the ball? Oh, <laughs> I agree with you. He can find a way to use him. Yes, find a way. No, I'm sorry. I really like Even if he did like Brandon, whatever the fuck, Alula, it's like he could still – he could have played – Greg is pretty much a, a Tom Waddle kind of wide receiver and yeah. split him. And how many times did the Bears do that anyway? Mm-hmm. Early yeah. on when they got near the goal line, they would put him basically running a wheel route uh, to the end zone. I mean, they did that frequently like when when Orton or, or Greasy or Rex were throwing him the ball. Yep. I'll tell you what, Mike Martz got a horseshoe planted into his ass when he became the offensive coordinator of a team that had Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, Marshall and, and Falk. Marshall Falk. I mean, you're talking about fucking offensive weapons. Yeah, when you got guys like that, give me a tight end who can block to give those guys extra time to get open. Absolutely. But that's but not even what we they, had. Even they had a tight end, Roland Williams, who could catch pretty well. I don't know why he just didn't like Greg Olson. Yeah. yeah he was there in 2010, right? We go to the NFC Championship game, and, and Greg's a big part of that. Remember the first playoff pass Jay ever threw against Seattle? It was a bomb to Olsen. Touchdown in the snow. No, I don't like, remember that, but I expect you to. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, remember we beat Seattle to get to go to the NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. The first pass that Jay threw, it was like two Forte runs, and then it was third and, I don't know, five, six, whatever. And he went deep for Olsen, and it was a touchdown on the first playoff pass of his career. Oh, my God. That's a fact. Yeah. And, um, I just like why wouldn't why wouldn't you think well you got a guy who's a little bit moody at quarterback mm-hmm. and there's the one guy he's comfortable with not only on the field but off the field yep. why if anything else wouldn't you want to keep him together just for Jay's psyche mm-hmm. you know I, I just it was one of the worst trades ever how, how much of Mark, Mike Mark Ram's offense was uh, a result of having like guys like uh, uh, Kurt Warner Isaac Bruce Tory Holt. Uh, uh, Marshall Falk, right? Like four, four Hall of Famers make anybody look pretty good, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely, Jeez. absolutely. He and came here fact- and he didn't have anything. He got rid of, got rid of Olson. Probably would have been his best receiver, right? And and before he came here, he went to Detroit and didn't do anything, right? 
Right. Yeah. And remember when Head he won the, the Lions, Bowl, Dick Vermeil was the coach. He was not the coach. Mm-hmm. That's right. And he was handed the coaching reins and failed uh, after that. So uh, Mike Martz, wherever you are right now, probably scratching your balls and looking over an old playbook. Fuck you. <laughs> as Jake others. Yeah. Tell Martz. <laughs> said, fuck you. What right. was it exactly that he said? Tell, tell oh, Martz I said, fuck you. Tell Mike I said, fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, Against Minnesota on a Sunday night game. A great moment in Bears yeah. history. There is no doubt about it. That's all we, we can look for, look at and say and look at it with pride. <laughs> we, went, we went from then we went from like Mike Martz to Mike Tice, right? It's <laughs> yes. like it's like it's like going from Einstein to Meathead. <laughs> Perfect. You know, I kind of liked Mike Tyson when he was in Minnesota, though, because he had that Tony Soprano look. Yeah, I I liked him, but he wasn't an offensive coordinator. Uh, he, he, maybe you know, um, a uh, a head coach type. Yeah, I, I I can buy that. A guy who's overseeing people and firing people up and so forth. But I don't think he was a strategic thinker, you know. And for the Bears to anoint him offensive coordinator, what where do you do that? A year or two with the Bears. Either way. One, one year. He yeah. was gone. Like he was there uh, in 2012. Wait, no, wait, wait. Did Mike Martz leave? No, Mike Martz was there in 2011. He was gone. Tice was there in 12. And then he and Lovey got the boot. Right. And then we brought Tressman in. Right. Oh gosh. He had like five Hall of Famers on offense. Yeah. You know? Um, Orlando, or, Pace. Orlando Pace. Pace too. No one knew Kurt Warner was Kurt Warner yet. Right. Right. Uh, uh, that was the first year I played fantasy football, uh, Tooch. And uh, I, my quarterback, I think it was Steve Young, was injured. And somebody said, why don't you pick up that Court Warner guy? I go, fuck you. I'm not going to pick up him. <laughs> that cost me, man. That cost me. This <laughs> All right. Uh, let's uh, – are you guys done talking Bears? Because I do want to talk a little bit about winning time. We've got about 20 yeah. minutes with uh, Dan Aguirre. Um this week was sensational, but Dan has a problem with it. So let's let him what? start what? with his evaluation. No, no, I love the show. Yes. Uh overall. But this is like last week or, or the other day, mm-hmm. but you know, this week's episode, then if you want to call it. Mm-hmm. A couple of things I didn't like. I didn't know this ahead of time. I'm not some Laker fan or Boston fan, either one. During those times when I was a kid, I definitely would have rooted for the Lakers in this matchup. Mm-hmm. I I liked offense. I liked scoring points. I didn't like Boston. For some reason, as a, as a young man, I didn't realize how great Kevin was either. Like, I figured that out by watching games over. I mean, holy shit, what a great player he was. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I just didn't like Boston. I don't, I don't like green. I always hated the Packers. I always hated green. So, um, anyway, so I didn't have a propensity to know – like their schedule in 1980, that kind of stuff. But as it turns out, the first time they actually played, and you know, you sent me the link, they played at the Forum first, and not the Boston Garden. And even if they if they ignore that fact, the game they played at the Boston Garden, Michael Cooper didn't hit the game winning shot. That's right. So things like that bother me. Like I, I get it if you're going to condense things, or like Bob Ryan said, I know you're going to segue to that. He said that Jerry West uh, should sue them for character defamation. Right. Uh, if if he's making up stuff about, I don't mean Jeff Perlman, but the screenwriter, whomever, if he's making up people's personalities, like if Paul Westhead wasn't 
as impotent and weak as he appears, then he should be pissed off about that portrayal as well. But my point is, I if you're going to change some couple things, you can't change the history of the game, though. Mm-hmm. You can't change how it happened. Like, are they just for just for dramatic effect going to say when Magic goes to center in game six and, and wins the championship in Philly that Kareem was actually there? I mean, I mean, I know Kareem didn't play. Are they going to say he was on the on the bench uh, and he gives Magic some speech when in, in reality he was in L.A. waiting for them to come back because everyone thought they were going to play game seven and he was rehabbing. So, I mean, just you can't change the to me the history of the way the game went down. That's sacred. Now, I'm not saying that's Jeff Perlman's fault or anyone specifically, but it's one thing to change or condense a character but not the outcome of the game. Like that's sacred, man. Do, do you all, re- do you disagree? Uh, go ahead, John. Uh, you're, you're, you, so, you're I, I don't know the, the, I was caught up in the drama of the series, you know? So, mm-hmm. so it is what Dan's saying is that they didn't actually win that third game on the road in this yeah. episode. No, they did, but it didn't happen with Michael Cooper. Jamal Wilkes got fouled. I think I read, and he just nailed two free throws and the score was different. And it was at the, L.A. It wasn't at Boston. No, no, but I meant the Boston game, though, the the one they won in Boston. It did come down to two points, but it had a different score, and it was won at the free-throw line by Wilkes as opposed to Michael Cooper on a pick and roll. Right, and the way that that particular game was depicted on winning time actually happened, but it happened in L.A. earlier right. in the season. Okay. So that that's the big uh, bugaboo with with. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Dan, but I don't know the you know I, I'm caught up in the series, the drama, the storytelling. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know the what happened. I was a I was I tell you the truth. I, nope, I like like many people was not an NBA fan back then. You know, it just it nope, wasn't nobody could, I mean, had access to it. You couldn't watch the games, right? That's there were right. news reels and, and stuff, but. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the the uh, the show. Uh, I love the way that Larry Bird was uh, portrayed. Who's like Larry? What'd you have for breakfast today? Food. You know the who was rolling <laughs> up the, stuff at the, at the uh, press that, conference. To me, that's stuff. probably bullshit too. They made him yeah. seem like Brett Favre. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> food. Like <laughs> yeah. the whole. Now I could be wrong. Maybe I started watching late. And uh, granted, I was not watching the 1980 NBA season because I was wasn't born yet until the fall. Mm-hmm. But by the time I started watching basketball. Bird was always quite complimentary of Magic and and his skills and vice versa. Magic was always saying things like, you know, people discredit Larry because he's white. And I'll be like, that brother's bad. I don't give a fuck what color he is. And it wasn't like a big deal. Like, I know he had that problem with Dennis Rodman saying that if he was white, if he were black, he would be an average player. Right. But beyond that, I mean, I don't know that. Maybe I'm ignorant to it, but I don't know that Bird's race was constantly fucking shoved down people's throats. And I know their officials weren't as bad as they were portrayed in that episode, like allowing people to fucking tackle the Lakers and stuff. I mean, a lot of that's really over the top. And I don't think Brett, I mean, he's not Brett Favre from Mississippi. Larry Bird was from Indiana. I know they called him the, the hick from French Lick, but he wasn't that country. Like, he wasn't spitting tobacco on people, you know. I just so it was just so over. This was the worst episode of the series, and, and to me, it, it was the most enjoyable episode. Yeah. And yes, they took a lot of creative liberties with it, 
But as Jeff Perlman himself said in the tweet, you know, this is a different medium. And so they take my book, who that it's all based on facts, stories that people told me, research that, that he made. And the movie makers now try to make something that is compelling and is watchable for 10 episodes. Yeah. And so he, like me, agrees that it's totally different. This is not The Last Dance, which was a documentary based on evidence of what happened, actual scores, actual games, and the recollections of players like Michael Jordan and all the other players that were interviewed. That's a totally different genre of storytelling movie making and these tv series is totally different they take a real thing just like oliver stone a, a movie that dan and i love a lot and uh, maybe Tucci does too jfk that that oliver stone speculated yeah. on things that could have potentially happened but i know the- almost all the sources he took things from though and and i believe oliver believes them to be true yes. and so do i for that matter and i'm not a conspiracy theorist I think the difference is these are are facts that are not subject to question because it's not the way it happened. I know it's not a documentary, but in the same sense, if you were going to write a script, I think if you're going to write a screenplay, you just, you would go with the basic facts, even if you have to condense characters. Like if this were a movie about the 85 bears, wouldn't you be pissed off if we played Miami in the Super Bowl? Instead of New England? Yeah, but they're, they're not going that far with the changing effects. Stephen Me says, I agree with Dan. You can't change the outcome of sports events for the sake of the show storyline. But they're not changing the outcome. What they're changing is the chronological. Chronolog- chron- but they changed the score and the order and who won the game. And like to me, that's, that's crossing the line, in my opinion. I'm going to keep watching. I enjoy it. Yeah. I just think that that's the worst part. And if you believe Bob Ryan, which you and I talked about it on air then, I was like, my God, is Jerry West really like this? Right. I mean, I don't know. Um, but it, Bob Ryan said he should sue for character defamation. So if they completely made up Jerry West's disposition, then once more, I'm going to have to give a huge thumbs down to the show for that. I just don't know the answer to it. All right, let's listen to Bob Ryan. He was on the Colin Coward podcast. Uh, this is Ryan's objection with the show, which mirrors what Dan is you saying. You watched, by the way, HBO special on the Lakers, the Jeff Perlman book, Winning Time. Have you seen any of that yet? I have watched episodes one and two, and I plan to keep doing it despite my better judgment. But I will need a, <laughs> a barf bucket before it's over. Uh, it, it is, okay, it's a, it's a dramatization. Yes, it, it doesn't make it pre- a secret about the fact that it's a dramatization based on a book, based on a book. I think the only thing that it, that is true that they based it on was that it's about the Lakers. About everything else is is fantasy. I just fear that too many gullible people might actually think these things happened, or that these people are like this. If I were Jerry West, I my I would say call my here's my lawyer. I cannot, I don't know what Jerry West ever did to Adam McKay to be portrayed in such an unflattering light, an unrealistic light, a, 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 a just embarrassing light. And that's just for openers, uh, Colin. The Red Auerbach portrayal is preposterous. I hear what they've done to Larry is, 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 is preposterous. It's disgusting, the awful. And, and uh, the world didn't need this. I'm sorry. Oh. It, but I got to keep watching because people talk about it. I do a podcast. You know, I got to talk about it. And and it's it, it's it's outrageous. It's horrible. 
Well, guys, uh, uh, Dan and John, you're not going to dis- uh, toot your, your uh, muted before I ask you this question. Unmute yourself. There you go. Uh, you agree with Bob Ryan? Well, I mean, you turn this to John. Okay, to, go ahead. To, to, to a certain extent, yes. You know, do I love the show? Even though it's like fantasy, yeah, I'm showing. I uh, I want to party with with Jerry Buss, man. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like. I mean, yeah, I can't enough. stop watching it. You know, it's like uh, I'm enjoying it so much. Even though, even though, you know, I I'm glad that I uh, uh, I have Dan as like you know the 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 voice of reason to not let me go too far into the fantasy. But uh, but yeah, I, I love the show. I mean. They have to make it compelling for viewers to come back, but I can understand how like diehard sports fans who know, you know, like everything about the time frame, which I don't because I wasn't following the Lakers back then, you know. But for me, it's like it's like reading like the uh the doors, no one gets out, no one here gets out alive or Led Zeppelin's uh I Hammer of the Gods, you know, where you're reading about a rock band you know, and all their exploits on the road and stuff. For me, that's a lot of fun, but mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, I, I definitely can see Dan's point of view. Well, I think if you early in the season or not the actual football season or basketball season, I'm talking about on the show early in the season, they had the reenactment of magic's first game against the Clippers when Kareem won the shot and magic jumped on him and Kareem's basically like, get the fuck off of me. And he's like, you know, big man cap, if you hit, you know, he's like, there's 81 more of these. So if you hit 81 more of these shots, I'm jumping on the 81 more times. That allegedly really was said and happened. And that's the way the game ended with Kareem with the, with the winning shot there. So, and magic did jump on him. So again, I like that. They reenacted that sequence, the way it really went down. Like to change who won the game and stuff. Like what? Okay, Aldo. What if this was a Michael Jordan shit? And they and they say, oh, you know what? When he was sick in Utah, regardless of how he got sick, not the point. But he's sick in Utah. Pippen, Pippen uh, was the one who had all the points, because the guy writing it, he's a Scottie Pippen fan. You'd be like, well, that's not what fucking happened. See, that would piss you off. See, but uh, to me. Uh, and I can't say this with great authority because I haven't read the Jeff Perlman book. Uh, I just bought it. And so I'll be able to speak with some more accuracy on this. But to me, if they're making changes that captured the spirit of what went on during that period, then that's fine. Because in order to do a actual real accounting of things that have happened it takes too long it's not interesting it has to when you're making a movie or a tv show it has to be encapsulated and so things have can be emblematic and that happens all the times we saw Stephen me talk about the movie damned united he uh he, he uh, this is Stephen Me saying movie Damned United had the same issue. Players ended up suing uh, for the portrayal that they were all assholes and rewriting history for entertainment. Well, I bet you they lost that lawsuit because that happens all the time. Remember the Titans, one of the great football movies of all time with Denzel Washington as the black head coach of a high school. First time uh, he uh, a black head coach had taken over a high school of that particular school or in that area. Area. And 
you talk to the players nowadays, they, they'll tell you there were no issues with racism. That was all made up for the movie. And you go over sports movie after sports movie after sports movie. It's all done differently for the sake of cinema, for the sake of. A but I'm not disagreeing with you on that, Aldo. My mm -hmm. disagreement is with them changing the way the game went down. Like, to me, you can't have Michael Cooper hitting the game-winning shot when he didn't. But Michael Cooper did hit the game-winning shot in Los Angeles in that one game. What they did is they changed the venue and the timeline. So there's still a lot of accuracy. Everything that happened as it was portrayed in that game at Boston happened in Los Angeles. So they didn't deviate that far from reality with that what they did is because they wanted to show how hostile it was to play in boston they wanted to show the competitive uh, uh atmosphere of boston versus la that they placed that particular game in boston so they could show the rats running through the boston garden so they could show the mystique of boston garden so they could show red arback being a, a fucking asshole and that fucking that that radio announcer too. Chick oh, I, Johnny I, I Most. I never knew his name, but that <laughs> Johnny dude. Most. If there was anyone. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Melvin. No, Johnny Most is his name. If anyone was racist in Boston, <laughs> I can't speak. Or I know the thing they did to Bill Russell and stuff is supposed to be true, which is awful. Yes. But if anyone was racist, that fucking announcer. God, go back and listen to some of his calls against the Pistons. Mm -hmm. He's calling everybody on Detroit a thug. I know you don't like Detroit. But you know what thugs a, a, a fucking code word for? That's right. That's an N word that he can't say. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's doing. And and I'm sure he was doing that against the Lakers too in like 84 when they were fighting. There were so many fights in 84 in those finals. So yet that dude was just over the top. He could never announce now. No, absolutely not. Not, but uh, he does have some historic great calls. Have the kick stole the ball. Have the kick stole the ball. <laughs> or the when Isaiah throws it in and Bird steals it oh, and throws yes. it to Dennis Johnson. Yes, that, that what a great a moment for like you know just NBA history there. You know, yeah, uh, you know, it, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm totally sensitive to what you and Tooch and Bob Ryan are saying. I would, you know, I used to feel the same way, but the more and more I learned about movie making, and the more and more I have an appreciation for. First and foremost, you have to make it interesting. They've paid millions and millions of dollars to produce this. And so are you going to adhere to the truth and make it less entertaining? Or are you going to bend the facts a little bit, but still capture the essence of what went on so that you can create a compelling series? I'm with, go ahead. You're the movie makers. This is now your material. You bought it. And do whatever you want with it. And then if it's entertaining, I will continue to watch. And if it's not, then I won't. Uh, I, so I, 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 can, I can delineate between those things. I, I hear you. And I think everything you're saying is valid. And I get it. And like I said, I'm on board with everything. The only discrepancy is I just don't like the changing of the score or the way things went down. That's the only thing to me that I don't like about it. I mean, and, and again, if, if I were Jerry West and, and all that's a lie, I'd be upset. Same thing with Bird, you know, like I said, coming out, just spitting tobacco everywhere. And from everything I've ever read or heard about Bird, Bird was a good sport and was kind of gregarious and would have shaked. He would have shook hands is what I'm saying. Oh, but, I, yeah, I'm with you. 
I, I can't wait. I, I the series has been picked up for a season two, and so I'm on board. Uh, thank you, Jordan. Nice compliment. I really appreciate that. And I'll see you tomorrow. I'll get to talk to Jordan Silveria tomorrow. Um, I, I I agree with you. You know, I, uh, the season two has been added. Uh, HBO is paying for that. I hope that they can figure out a way to stay closer to the truth because. You know, Ross Reed, who does the our new show here, uh, uh, the Mac and Reed show, uh, whose opinion I, I really like a lot on, on a lot of his things with sports and politics and pop culture and so forth. He says he won't watch it. He, he won't watch it because after the first two episodes, he was like, Bob Ryan, I know this is bullshit. The way they're, they're, they're saying things about Jerry West and the way all this went down, I won't watch it. And and. I, I would love for Ross and, and other people who are not who are basically boycotting the show because some some of the chronology has been changed, some of the facts have been moved around and so forth. I would love for them to see this because when I watch it and I started off at season, uh, the first first episode or two, I was like, eh, I don't know. But I am falling in love with the show. I think it's very, very well made and uh, lots of lots of great characters. The John C. Riley character is Dr. Jerry Buss. His daughter, I forgot the, the actor's name who's, who's playing his daughter. But on and on and on. It's just very well made. And, and frankly, I don't know much about Adam McKay, the guy who is the brainchild behind. Uh, do you any of you guys know what he's done in the past? Because he, no. he seems to be popular with a lot of people. Dude, yeah, you know? He did Anchorman, I think, the Anchorman movies. Okay. And uh, old yeah. school. All right. God, uh, I think Will Ferrell shit. What is it? The Talladega Nights. I think he was him also. Okay, so he knew all these great comedies. I think they all suck. I'm not. I know I'm in the minority. <laughs> I hate Will Ferrell's movies. <laughs> I liked him on Saturday Night Live. I hate his movies. I, I lean more towards Dan's opinion on, on uh, Will Ferrell. Uh, Will Ferrell, I just, I just don't find all that funny. I agree with you on Saturday Night Live. He was great. That cheerleader bit that he did, and and playing his George, George Bush. W. Yes, playing Bush and stuff. Great stuff. But some of these, I haven't even watched Talladega Nights because some of the other movies that Will Ferrell has done. I just don't uh, appreciate that. Everybody sh- loves Step Brothers with John C. Riley. I just thought it was dog shit. Yeah. Uh, Cliff, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Immediately, Cliff Victoria says, hey, Talladega Nights is a fantastic movie. I'll have to give it a chance. I don't know. <laughs> you know the, what? Uh, movie, I think I told you this via text. I know I'm bouncing around, but I, I got to go in a second. That's okay. The movie, the David Cronenberg movie that I watched, that racing film that he did, which a fast that? company? I never seen Holy that. Holy shit, that was horrible. Really? Like I give it like 75 thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was I never heard of it. Disappointing. Like if yeah. you want to waste 90 minutes of your life, please watch that movie cuz it's like watching Matt Nagy coach. You just can't get any worse. Oh, well, yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, Cronenberg, one of my favorite filmmakers, yeah, but he made some movies that were really really bad, but one of the things even his bad movies, I found interesting. I'll, I'll I'll take a peek at that one and see if it holds my interest after fifteen. It's on minutes. Cinemax this month. Okay, I'll check it out. Did it you see Ex- Existence, or the Cronenberg film with Jennifer Jason Lee and Jude Law? Don't you love that? Dude? Yeah, that's great. That's his best yeah. one, I, in my opinion. That's his best one. Yeah, Cronenberg uh, is a massive. It's so film. weird. It's just, yeah. it's like a nightmare. 
I might have to go with the fly as his as his the fly. The fly, if you if that movie would have come out around 2000, they would have ruined it. Because what made it so great was the metamorphosis and the makeup and stuff, yeah. and his transition. Like they would have CGI'd that and made it look like shit. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it looks so great from when it was. Like it's so great just looking at it, thinking, man, this is from '86. The 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 makeup is just fucking on point. Like you can't. They won an Academy Award for that, and they should have won like four for it. That's how great the makeup was. Yeah, Existence is 1999, and the practical effects in that today still look good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ringers, Dead Ringers, with uh, Jeremy Irons playing twin brothers who are, are gynecologists. Uh, well, yeah. one, yeah, one, of them, one of them. I have it because of you. Yeah. One of them was, quote, slaving over the hot snatches. The other, <laughs> the other twin brother was the business manager or whatever. <laughs> I'll that, never forget that line. Dan, when, slaving over the hot snatches. <laughs> Dan, did you enjoy it when you saw it? Yeah, I don't think you remember sending it to me, but you did. Uh, you bought it on Amazon, I think, and, I remember and just sent it straight to me. Yeah, I remember now. There's a lot of things that I don't remember. And, um, I feel like I'm talking to Jim McMahon now. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, check this out. It's, it's funny that you say bring up Jim's name because just 10 minutes ago, I went to check my Twitter account real quickly, and um, I sent Jim McMahon. We all know that Jim McMahon's son handles, handles his Twitter account, right? right? So I sent him a note saying, please tell your dad that we really loved having him on, and we hope that he had a good time. Um and when his documentary, uh, and thank you for uh, facilitating the interview and making it happen. And when his documentary comes out, we would love to talk to him or the filmmaker about it. And so his son replied just now, like 15, 20 minutes ago, and he replied with a big heart. <laughs> Not very talkative, but that's okay. That's I okay. can't get his son to reply to me at all. I was like, I thanked him for the interview as well. And uh, just like Eric Kramer, I offered him, I was like, if you want a bunch of your dad's games, I mean, I don't want money, I'll hook you up. And he, he doesn't respond. And uh, he's followed everybody else but me. Oh, no. <laughs> but no, no, it was still, uh, as I look back on it, I think, all jokes aside, it was a once in a lifetime kind of deal. And I'm so appreciative of the opportunity. I hated that I sounded sick, but I felt like I never established a, a rhythm with him. It was almost like Fields. Uh, unsteady action last season but in hindsight i guess i thought it was my responsibility to, to spark his memory mm -hmm. and it was so easy with eric when eric kramer was on like he could tell you who's in the fucking huddle with him you know so right. i expected jim to be the same way but you asked me before we turned the mic on like what if he doesn't remember some of these games and i i thought oh i won't ask any obscure ones he'll remember them but i guess i ha i have to be more fair to jim because he's 62 and you know, hell, I, I referenced a game from 83, which is almost 40 years ago. So I think I had unreasonable expectations uh, well, uh, of I Jim. It was great, man. I, I enjoyed yeah. the, the interview. I'm glad That's you said me. that, Bruce. That's unsolicited, and, and I, I agree. And, and everybody that I've talked to has said the same thing. I have not heard one negative uh, remark about, oh, wait a minute, here comes one now in the chat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what, what did Mike North say? Did he hear it? Uh, Mike, I don't know if you heard it, and I haven't had a chance to talk to Mike uh, since he hooked us up with the interview, so um, I will uh, reach out to him. I think in a couple of weeks after the draft, he's he's scheduled to come back on and share his thoughts on the Bears draft. 
See if you can whore uh, Tom Zach away from Mike North. Uh, well, I actually was looking through my Skype uh, numbers, and I have uh, Tom Zach's number, so maybe I should just call him on my own because it seems like Mike is cool with me doing that. So I would love to talk to Tom Zach too. All right, and he likes my question when he was on Mike's show. He's on my long list of uh, people that we have identified as potential guests. So I will uh, try to get Tom Zach right after the draft. Cool, man. Hey, hey, John, I want you to yeah. know I'm glad you're well. And uh, I wish I didn't Thank have to. It feels like we just started, man. It's all right. I got to go to fucking work, though, man. It goes yeah. by fast, doesn't it? It does, man. It's a, we're having fun. I hope Two we're, and a half hours already. Good, uh, sounding is the way I feel that our product is. You're the best, Dan Aguirre. I really yeah, love Danny, you. And love a big you hug. Uh, and the hugs are coming to the chat room, too. So uh, take care of yourself. Drive safely and go save some lives. And last thing, please, 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 I want to talk to you on air about it. Please watch French Connection too. I will indeed. Mm. Trust me, I will. Because, um, in fact, what I want to do is watch the first one and the second one because it's been a while since I've watched fr the original French Connection. Me too. I should French. do that too and rewatch part one. Yeah. So let's do that. Hey, who I don't do remember I French Connection too. I know John Frankenheimer did the second one. That's right. You've told okay. me that. And uh, William Freakin did the first one, right? Yeah, the first right. one was a masterpiece. So I thought the second one was better. It's a yeah, completely okay. different film, but I thought it was better. So, Tooch, we have a homework assignment. Watch French right. Connection 1 and 2, uh, Freakin' and Borman. That's a great double bill. And, and part two is on Stars this month if you all have the Stars package. Yeah. And which reminds me, before I go, next week on Sunday, the start of a new series, Nixon-era Watergate. You have Martha Mitchell played by Julia Roberts, and Sean Penn is going to be playing Attorney General John Mitchell. Wait a minute. Did you say Julia Roberts is playing Martha Mitchell? Yes, and Sean Penn is playing uh, the Attorney General. I don't care about Sean Penn. He's in a Don't do that to Julia Roberts. She's still great looking. Don't make her look like Martha Mitchell. No, Martha Mitchell, for like who she was, was a socialite, though. She was, you know. Okay. She, she was uh, fairly attractive. She's a little bit older than Julia, I think. But, you know, she's got a wild story where they fucking held her hostage and stuff. Like, yeah. while Watergate was first starting and she had all these wild, like, she would call the press up in the middle of the night. What's that one lady that was, like, 78, 80 years old that was still in the press corps, like, during oh, W. Bush's run? Yeah, the Lebanese woman, uh, uh, Helen Thomas. Yeah, yeah. So she's calling like Helen Thomas up in the middle of the night, telling her all these wild stories and shit. It's going to be a fascinating show, I think. And what network is that on? It's on Stars. Okay. I I think it's called Gaslight. All right. Oh, I gotta watch but that. But it it starts on Sunday again. It's got Sean Penn and Julia Robertson. If you like Nixon and Watergate and things like that, and I love that era mm -hmm. of history, it, it's it's a slam dunk for me. Uh, Jeremy says Julia Roberts is like 60. I don't, I don't think care. so. I'm like 60. She's not that old, though, is she? I'm going to be 54. I don't think she's like I appreciate you both, and I'm sorry I have to interrupt. I got to go, though. No, no all right, Daddy. Take care, bro. You all be well. Thank you. All right, brother. Um, there you go. That is Dan Aguirre out to save some lives at his other job, 911. Um, I want to see that. This Martha Mitchell... Uh, Sean Penn. <laughs> That's got to be weird. Sean Penn is John Mitchell. Jeez. <laughs> um, all right, Dan. Uh, excuse me. Uh, the second time so, I've called you Dan tonight. I apologize. Uh, Robert Julia Roberts is 54. That's my age, according okay. to I thought she was about my age. 
All right. Well, and uh, I think she was on one of the talk shows recently promoting this film, and uh, and she s- still looks super, 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 super. So um, whatever she's in, I will definitely take a look at. Um, all right. Uh, Tucci, have you seen anything uh, while you were convalescing oh, yeah. from your illness? Uh, share, please. I have. Uh, and I don't know if you like Guy Ritchie. Do you know who Guy Ritchie is? Absolutely. He made yeah, one of I saw his latest film. Match. Yeah, Snatch and Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Another good uh, used, used to be fa- partially famous for being married to Madonna for a short time. Mm-hmm. But uh, saw his latest one. It's called Wrath of Man. It was really good, man. I'll tell you. It's like, if you like movies like The Departed, it's another crime caper. It's kind of told through the uh, through the eyes of like three different points of view, kind of. There's uh, two crime gangs who kind of hold up armored trucks. You know, uh, they don't work with each other. You know, they're kind of like com- competing uh, in this, you know, rob- rob- robbing of armored trucks. But, you know, Jason Statham, it's got a great cast. Jason Statham, uh, uh, Andy Garcia, Holt McElhaney, and Clint Eastwood's kid, Scott Eastwood. It looks just like him, a young Clint Eastwood. Uh, and uh, a-, a few other actors that are, uh, you know, uh, kind of show up at time to time in Guy Ritchie's movies. But um, it's told, and, and the third point of view is the uh, the armored car guards and their kind of company that they work in. You kind of see, and the story kind of unfolds in different, you know, uh, where you, you, you revealed uh, more and more is revealed of what's going on with the with the uh, the storyline. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like you know, in that vein of Departed, very well told, great story. Uh, love the uh, the suspense and the action. Uh, Jason Statham is the star, of course, but he's not doing any of the, you know, martial arts. You know, he's just a, a crime, but one of the leaders of a crime of one of the crime rings. Good actor, man. Yeah, the other a leader of the other gang is Martin Donovan, who's an actor. You'll probably he looks like John Larroquette a little bit. If hmm. you uh, uh, no, he's like the modern day John Larroquette. What's his he, last name? Martin Donovan. I'm sure you've seen it before. Kind of looks like Guy Pierce. John Larroquette looking guy. Oh, See, I'm yeah. Sure seen him. yeah. You know who you know who he is. He's the leader Absolutely. of the other. It's a bunch of like uh Iraq or Afghan war uh veterans that come back from the war and they're they don't they don't can't get jobs and stuff. So they, they start, you know, using their military skills to hold up uh armored trucks. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, they kind of cross paths with Jason Statham's gang, you know, much the same way you see in like, you know. Matt Damon and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio crossing paths in uh, The Departed. So I, I really enjoyed it, man. I think it, uh, it uh, holds up. And I saw Old Henry finally. Who's the guy that's been recommending Old Henry? I that- saw it. It was great. I love it. Yeah, it was awesome, dude. I oh, finally- my God. I was yeah. shocked and surprised. Is it Stephen Me? Or- it was Stephen Me, I think. That was I think Old it was Henry, Stephen, right? yes. Yeah. I think it was Stephen, yes. So that was uh, also really good, man. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's the name of that actor? Uh, the lead actor. He was on Old Country, uh, not Old Country. Uh, uh, old Brother. Tim Blake Nelson. Yes, Jim Blake Nelson is outstanding yeah, yep. in that excellent. fucking movie. Oh yeah, my he's god! Excellent. <laughs> I, I highly endorse that movie. I'm glad you brought that up, Tooch, because um, I saw it maybe a month ago, and I've forgotten to mention it here. I highly endorse that movie. It's a little slow moving, you know, but stick with it because you what you oh yeah 
<laughs> Stephen the, the ending is killer. Five years ago, <laughs> it was great, man. I really enjoyed uh, Old Henry. My wife and I, my wife loves Western. She really enjoyed this one too. Yeah, I great. wish my wife was like yours because she wouldn't watch it. I don't want to watch that. I'm going to go upstairs and watch uh, Dateline. <laughs> so, okay, now, another another uh, uh, plot to kill somebody that you're probably going to yeah. use for me someday. <laughs> I love my wife. Yeah. But she watches way too much Dateline. And uh, then uh, uh, I started oh, a new series, too. It's called Outer Range on Amazon Prime with Josh Brolin. Is that oh. his name? Josh, Josh Brolin, man. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's like uh, about uh, a Wyoming rancher who finds this like mysterious hole on his property. <laughs> I don't okay, know where it is. I saw the previews. <laughs> it looks really good. Yeah. yeah. It's great, man. It's really good. It's got some great cast, too. It's got Lily Taylor, who's from Chicago, uh, uh, she was one of those uh, Steppenwolf actresses. Um, and uh, uh, Will Patton, who's mm -hmm. in like tons of movies. Uh, yeah. he, they're like, they're like, uh, uh, competing ranchers they own they own ranches next to each other and they're fighting over this land mm -hmm. and uh, will Patton says well you know the assessor made a hundred years ago the assessor made a mistake and i actually own like an extra mile of your property <laughs> you need to move your fence and that's this is where the hole is so james brolin or josh brolin sorry i keep calling by his dad's name josh brolin says you know he's like he doesn't want to give up the land because his fucking hole is there <laughs> it doesn't know where it goes I don't want to like give too much away and stuff, but uh, it's kind of like got that uh, lost vibe, you know, the TV show Lost. Yeah. You know, mysterious stuff, but. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, I, I'm enjoying There's only two episodes out so far. And of course, they, they're making us wait every week. Yeah. You know, it sucks, kind of, because I kind of want to binge this one. But, uh, you know, and then uh, I've been watching Moon Knight on. Uh, Everybody seems to love that. You know, it's really good, but the. The one of the like the split personality of Moon Knight, I hate one of them. You know, it's just like he's just so fucking annoying. Well, that makes it good then. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Stuff Oscar yeah. music is really good. But, uh, you know, I remember when I first watched uh, "Do the Right Thing," the Spike Lee movie. I walked out of that theater. I was so fucking pissed off that Steve, uh, the uh, uh, Spike Lee character, uh, uh, destroyed the place where he worked, and then has to go to ask for his pay when he's sitting with the owner of that guy. Hey, you still owe me, despite the fact that I burned your, your place of business down. And I, I was just upset. I was so angry. And it, I kept thinking about it day after day, day after day. And I said, you know what? That's what makes it a fucking great movie. Is I'm still t thinking which, about uh, it. Which one was it? Uh, uh, Do the Right Thing, the Spike Lee. Oh, movie. yeah. Yeah. Dan, and, and the, the late Danny Aiello. That's right. Yeah, he that's is. Right. Uh, yeah, Danny Aiello was the uh, yeah. pizzeria. My pizzeria. Yeah, uh, I'll never forget that scene where uh, uh, the guy who ended up playing, uh, who was in Breaking Bad, Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, he would go into the pizzeria every day, and he would just get yeah. off that there were all these Italians up on the wall, and despite the fact that the pizzeria was in an all African American neighborhood. He says, "How come there are no black brothers up on the wall?" <laughs> and that—that's just <laughs> and stuff. It's a great, great, great movie, and 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 part of it is that some of us are will get pissed off at Spike Lee's reaction. Yeah, what about my pay? And, uh, but that 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 is part of why the movie is so fucking good. Uh, Stephen Nagishi has a recommendation. He highly recommends Tokyo Vice on HBO Max. If you're already watching Winter Season, it's based on a real story of Tokyo Yakuza Underground and the. American uh, investigative reporter 
Steven, I am definitely going to watch. Yeah, that's in my queue, man. I'm, I'm I'm waiting to watch that one as soon as my wife and I get some time. Like, yeah. no, I've been, I'm, I, you know, I haven't, I've been so busy with uh, uh, handicapping games because I, you know, I had some, I have clients that, you know, subscribe to my picks. I have to tell you a story too. It's like I had a like a three last weekend. What was it like? I don't know. Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of last week. I went like twenty-five, eight and two. You know, just like I, I couldn't lose. I had one day where I was like 10 and one, you know, it was just like a huge profit day. And I, one of my subscribers, like his subscription was up. So I said, Hey man, do you want to renew? You know, he's like, I don't know, man, I lost money. I got to wait till I get, I was like, how did you fucking lose? I was 10 and one today. Yeah. You should be out minimum eight units, you know, yeah. like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I, I, some of these guys like take every single one of my picks and parlay them. Like I'm supposed to go 11 and 0. Like I know the outcome of the games mm-hmm. before they happen. You know, <laughs> if, if I fucking knew the outcome of the games, I, I, you know, I would be, I wouldn't be, I'd be retired. You know, yeah. living on the beach That's, somewhere. You it's know? gambling. <laughs> I, fucking, I know, right? It's like I, I, I message you back. I'm like, you're not parlaying all my picks, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Don't, ah. don't do that. Yeah. Do not do that. I'm like the only, the best way to profit long term is a straight wager. You know, yeah. I don't. I, I, if you're gonna do, I told him I don't, I don't do like more than two leg parlays unless it's like college basketball, where then I'll do play like a lottery ticket and shit. But those yeah. things never hit. I see some of these guys on Twitter's with like 32 leg parlays, and yeah. I want to like like a reply on Twitter and say that will never fucking hit. You're throwing 25 bucks away. Stop it. You know. Tooch, I, I have learned that the hard way because when I, you know, I've never been a, a hardcore gambler. I would only gamble when I would go to Vegas and hang out at the sports book or the strip right. bar. And so yep. um, I, I, I would, uh, when, when I started, uh, when I loaded the app to start gambling, now that it's legal in Illinois, I put $200 in and I, I got all the way up to like 1200 bucks. And that it was because I was getting lucky on parlay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I just continued to do that. I am down to five fucking dollars. <laughs> I know. It's like, uh, I know. Uh, I, I, since I, I learned, and, and a lot of it's Anthony, you know, my partner that I do the podcast with. And he's like, been like, dude, you know, uh, don't do that shit. You know, that you're just play the card, play your card every day, you know, and you're going to come out on top. You know, once in a while, when, when you have like two games that you really like and they're, they're just like heavy favorites, then you do those two to get it to around minus 110, minus 120, mm-hmm. something like that, plus 100. And then you can play it, you know, as a normal, you know, bet. Of course, you have to win both games, but, you know, you can uh, you can still profit, you know, with the two leg or teasers. Or anything like that. Now, you know, round robin is another format that some books let you do. And I said, if you round robin my card, man, you came out, you were so far ahead, man. Play every combination. Even if you put a 50 cent bet in my 11 picks round robin, 50 cents, you probably made like 200, 300 bucks Mm. on just that playing that card, you know, all possible combinations, 50 cents. It might have been like, I don't know, 30 or $40 bet to win like, you know, two or 300, a 10 and one card, that would have been great. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I was just like, how the hell, you know, Anthony was like, I get that all the time from subscribers. They're just, they're just parlaying all my picks. That'll never hit because it's yeah. so rare that someone goes 10 and 0 on one day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but 
Well, I'll tell you, uh, you are really good at what you do. Let people know uh, where they can uh, catch your bets and so forth. And yeah. you and I are actually, after this uh, show is over, you and I are going to talk about some of the business, about maybe bringing that show over to the Barrow yeah. Network. So. I would love to help bar, Barflies, uh, you know, become smarter, Anthony and I both. We, we just want to help people win. You yeah. know? And you can win if you're smart. You know, you manage your bankroll. You, uh, you don't play dumb plays. You get a good number from the books you can, I mean, you can still win if you get a bad number but uh live betting too anthony is really good at live betting hmm. um and anthony's been doing it for so long you know he's like he's he's I, i'm just a podcaster i've been doing handicapping because uh you know the the office that retweets all of us you know hmm. well you can't just be a podcaster you know and do this stuff nobody's gonna watch the podcast unless you're actually making picks and handicapping games and stuff so that's why I had to learn the learn how to do it and stuff. I was just kind of dabbling, you know, last last year when you know talking about the stuff and mm-hmm. I, once it became legal, sports gambling like in most of the country, like it has, you know, and the people on their cell phones with DraftKings and FanDuel, it became super popular. I wanted to kind of uh, talk talk to people about uh, uh, how to how to be successful at it for the most part. You know, at least at least win you know, on a consistent basis, you know, and, and the, the guy actually who runs uh, the office that, you know, does our retreat, he was the former president of Pinnacle, which mm-hmm. is, you know, the, the ones who started fricking sports books, you know, and uh, you know, he's retired now, but he does, you know, he has a marketing team that helps handicappers retweets and stuff. It's one of his side businesses. So Anthony talked me into doing it and, I started with 600 followers. I'm almost to 5,000 just by giving out a free, giving out a free play every day, you know, and then, uh, you know, I have people message me on Twitter all the time. Hey, what do you like tonight? You know, I'll, I'll tell them what I like tonight. And I say, you know, but you know, you got to sign up for VIP soon because if I, you know, I'm not always giving away free picks, you know, because I do, it, it takes a long time, although to, to handicap huh. games right now, there's three, Three sports are hot and heavy right now, baseball, NBA, NHL. And it's like to go through those games and pick out, you know, anywhere from five to ten games and, uh, you know, that I, that I want to give out that I feel pretty good about. Mm-hmm. I, I, during that stretch, I, I, I was like 12-0 and 0 in NHL. Mm-hmm. You know, just like red-hot hockey picks. And, uh, you know, then at that, at that point, you're getting tons of followers, you know, and yeah, right. tons of retweets for the free pick. Tonight, my free pick lost by a half a point. You know, it was the Phoenix Suns' first half. I don't know if uh, New Orleans, the Pelicans got like a half or a, a late bucket to kill my uh, spread. But ah. runner, top pick tonight was Miami, minus seven. They won by 10. That was you know, Miami's defense. Uh, the Heat are really good. Of course, former Bull Jimmy Butler is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they got some good uh, players on there. And I like, I like Memphis to bounce back tonight against the Timberwolves. They beat them by 28 points uh, tonight. And the only one I missed was Phoenix, the one that I gave out as a free play. But, you know, uh, tomorrow, uh, you know, I'll be looking at games a little bit harder. Oh, I know you will. And uh, just uh, based on what you saw out of game one, Bulls and Bucks, uh, you got a feeling one way or another that uh, the Bulls maybe going to steal a game tomorrow? Man, I don't know. I, uh, the, the Bucks are so deep, man. They're, oh, they're bench, you know, like I said, Jonas is probably, to me, he's the best player in the NBA right now. I just, I don't know if, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to beat 
Jonas, man, he's just he's a different kind of animal, man. He's so good. He's the he's, best in the league. Yeah, he's huge, and he's there's nobody that can guard him. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. The Bulls just don't have defense, but I mean, they do play the play the uh, the Bucks. Oh, no, their defense in game one was surprisingly yeah. pretty yeah, good. Surprisingly good. That was a uh, uh, that that's been true. I, I think uh, uh, usually when Bulls and Bucks play uh, either in the playoffs or, or their first game of the season, they play each other. That games go under because they both play play tough defense against each other, and that's exactly what happened. I forgot who broke it down. That was one pick I gave out during my strip was the under in the Bulls and Bucks under 228 or 223. I can't remember what it was. That was one pick I gave out. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, I've, I had I had my, my my little bit of bout of illness. I was on vacation for a week. So mm-hmm. uh, when I was on vacation, I took a break from, you know, just to get away from everything. It's good. It's, I'm glad it, you did. It's stressful, you know. Oh, my I'm gosh. Like, like Mike North used to tell that story when he was first started at the bar room where he was picking NFL games. He said he was curled up in the fetal position. <laughs> that's, that's how I felt during the, during, exactly. during the, uh, but I mean, I, I got one of the best compliments. Anthony said, man, you are doing so good. It's there like, you, go. you know, he was like, I'm so proud of you, you know? So, but uh, you know, uh, Anthony's a guy that, that what he does for a full, full-time job is he handicaps games. He's got subscribers. He's got an actual website with cart checkout and everything like that, which I, I would like to have maybe next year before uh, football season starts. I'll have a website set up with cart checkout and stuff. But, uh, uh, oh, I got a question already, man. Look at that, Aldo. So this is what I was hoping if I could bring the uh, bring the show to the bar room and get questions like this. During I love the- it. I've got real Sean Higgs, man, that does a show with Anthony and I every Thursday. That's another guy who's – you know, a guy who does it for a living. He's on Wager Talk. He's on Picks, uh, Picks and Parlays on Picks Wise. Mm-hmm. Shows up all over the place. Uh, and he does a show with Anthony and I every Thursday talking baseball. You know, just wagering on baseball for the week. What teams we think are surprising. Uh, what teams are we going to fade? Uh, Manchester City versus uh, well, Manchester City is the best team in the world, in my opinion. Uh, if I, it's if for me, it's probably Manchester City or, or draw. If I'm going on the uh, you know, a double chance bet, but, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, I don't, I, I wouldn't bet against Manchester city. That's just, uh, you know, I, before I thought Bayern Munich was the best soccer team in the world, but, uh, uh, Bayern Munich has really faded this past uh, month or so, but yeah, Man City is, has been playing pretty good, uh, for champions. Cha- he's talking champions league. where like, you know, all the European teams play against each other. It's hard. To, I, I don't like to bet on those games because, you know, sometimes the those games they don't play all their guys. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, so why, why don't they? Why will why will they? Because uh, uh, like when they're, they're two game series to get to, uh, <clears throat> there's a two game series. So if they've won game one and they're playing game two, you know, all they have to do is draw to to get their place in the next round. You okay. know, so gotcha. but uh, yeah, I. Uh, I, I, soccer, it can be tricky uh, because I remember like Anthony and I had one team where it's like, oh, this is a lock, you know, and they got a red card in the, the first like 20, 30 minutes of the match. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like our team was going 10 on 11 because, you know, like I said, the red card, you know, you're, you lose your guy for the whole game. So mm-hmm. it's like we live bet the other team and uh, at plus 770 to get a, at least get a profit and our money back. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Steven knows a lot about soccer. Yeah. In fact, uh, his yep. next guest on his uh, show, uh, the double A team is going to be, and I'm forgetting the gentleman's name, Steven, uh, if you can put it up on the, in the chat. Uh, but if you're a soccer fan or if you just love good talk, you should That's definitely right. uh, check out the double A team. Their next broadcast is coming up uh, the first Monday in May. And if you missed the last double A, which was, this past Monday, you missed a really good one. Uh, Stephen interviewed Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus, and uh, uh, Austin had a lot of interesting takes on what is happening with the Chicago Bears and just overall with uh, with the draft. And Eric Winalda is the gentleman's name who's going to be with uh, Stephen and Ken Fang uh, a week from Monday. Uh, they'll be talking soccer and a bunch of other things, uh, but Eric Winalda is a former broadcaster about soccer. He's worked in the soccer industry for a very long time. He is a huge get for those guys. And so yeah. check out the double A team. Uh, we'll Monday, that. Uh, that would be May 2 at uh, 7 p.m. Central, uh, right before South Burbs hit, man. Uh, let's see. Anything else we want to discuss before we head out of here? Uh, let's see. Trying to think here, what's going on? Um, no, I think we covered. We covered all. We we got the NFL draft coming up. Uh, uh, I'll have to. Um, what was it last last uh, couple years? NFL draft is like the hardest week of Bears of barroom. You know? Oh my goodness! Yes, it's like I mean, it's up, you don't you guys the barflies have to realize how hard. The people who do barroom network work during dra NFL draft week. It's oh, unbelievable. It's, they're working 16 hours a day. Yeah. Easy. But it, it's fun stuff. And, uh, you know, yep. what the, the thing that keeps us going is smoke weed every day. Well, of course. <laughs> I had to get that. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, that's it. I think we're going to pull the plug on this one. Jordan, uh, call me crazy, but I, okay, wait a minute. Uh, Aldo, call me crazy, but I sent you 40 tweet mega thread on the prospect. I love the debate Greg Gabriel on. All right, Jordan, I will uh, not call you crazy, but I will definitely uh, take a look at that and we'll see what can hook you up with Greg because uh, Jordan has become a a uh, a great participant in our bar room. And in fact, he's going to be one of the people who is not only going to be on tomorrow's show to share his mock draft, but Jordan is also going to be on the Barflight Tailgate show this Sunday morning. Oh, cool. where, uh, they're going to present uh, mock drafts and talk. I've footage. been watching Barfly Tailgate. I'll drop in there once in a while and get scolded <laughs> by Aaron a little bit when I talk about the Wildcats. But uh, <laughs> I was like, well, I don't, I know, I know Ryan stepped away from the bar room. I haven't seen Bobby in a long time though. Is uh did he also step away from barroom for a little bit, or is he? No, is he, uh, Bobby is still, yeah, Bobby is uh, doing some secret mission work. Uh, I better not talk about it because I don't want my phone bugged or this show bugged and stuff. But uh, Bobby, who has uh, 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 been serving now, I think over twenty yeah. years with the military, is uh, doing some special work right now, so his time is limited. But yeah, I yeah. do believe he will be on this Sunday's show to present his mock draft and. Very nice. uh, we're looking forward to another season. I, I, can't, I wanted to do a mock draft, but I just can't because I have not, I, I have not done any mock drafts of my own. I, I haven't followed. I mean, other than what with college football, I've watched, you know, uh, when handicapping and stuff, but I have no idea like where players are going this year. I, you know, I know a few, I could probably uh, think of where they would go. You know, Ryan Poles might actually, you know, uh, uh, 
there is a list of who uh, uh, the uh, Bears have uh, visited the Bears this year. I don't know if you saw any of that. Uh, usually WalterFootball.com has that, but you know, I take that with a grain of salt. They, it, it, they clearly they have some interest in the player because right. the player's making a visit. But at the same time, over the years, I followed those lists, and it's like maybe one percent of the time where that player is actually picked by the Chicago Bears. The, the draft, yeah, pre-draft visits and stuff. You know, yeah, the the draft. It's so darn uh, unpredictable. Uh, to know what they're thinking about in Hallisaw. I think sometimes they make, they offer a visit. Smoke screen. Exactly. That's a better word than I was going to use. Do you know uh, who Ryan Willis is? Ryan Willis. Sounds like an old quarterback that Dan Aguirre would know really. really he's well. on the Bears. He's Tom in, Willis. That's what he's, I was yeah, he's a quarterback on the Bears roster. Oh, that's right. He was. I never heard of him before, but he was a recent signing. Yeah, he's that's a camp arm. You know that, right? Um, And uh, so I don't expect to see him on Sundays. He doesn't even have a picture in the little. (laughs) It's just a gray silhouette. Yeah, Fields, Foles, and Simeon all have pictures. Ah, that's funny. (laughs) That's how you know he's a camp arm. That is funny. By the way, you mentioned Justin. uh, Excuse me, uh, 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 Nick Foles. Don't be surprised if he is dealt on uh, on uh, the Saturday's draft, day three of the draft. Uh, there is a possibility that in order to uh, get some more draft picks late in the draft, that the Bears might do one of those trades where yeah. you know they trade their fifth for somebody's fourth, and 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 Foles is included in that deal. That's a, a very real possibility because by that time, you know all the top quarterbacks quarterbacks that you expect will make a team are gone and so there will be a team who will say we you know we could use a guy like nick Foles. let's see if we can get him for yeah. you know uh, exchange six, six round pick for Foles. yeah exactly you know, hey we didn't get anybody you know you know we, we're not gonna probably get anybody with the six round pick how about mm-hmm. you know giving us nick Foles and here's your six round pick go nuts right yeah, exactly exactly all right. Uh, thank you, Stephen, for that recommendation on Jacob. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Stephen Nagishi is uh, – <laughs> he writes, I highly recommend Jacob Infante for all the Bears draft insight. Really great guy. Yeah. He and Greg Gabriel have been going at it on uh, on Twitter. <laughs> and Greg says, you want – you want uh, you want to invite Jacob over, and I go let's let's do it after the draft. So we might have a uh, a a debate between those two guys on a future Gabriel Talks Football Show, which is that'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah, that'll be interesting, absolutely. Because I can't debate with Greg. Greg says something, and I just take it as gospel, or I take it as uh, all right. This is some insight I may not agree with, but it's coming from a source that you respect uh, highly. But uh, yeah, I love the insight. I, I, was it was it yesterday you had? Greg on yes he was like talking I was like well most teams are bored it's already done you know and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I love that kind of insight of yeah, the draft exactly. room mm-hmm. yeah I listened yeah. to that uh just recently yeah uh the days the Gabriel talks football fluctuate you know it kind of depends on Greg will tell me I want to I want to talk this day because there was going to be some information available blah 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 uh, but generally, we're on Mondays, and when the season starts, we will be on regularly on Monday uh, and um, to talk about the Bears game. But throughout uh, the offseason, we will have shows where Greg will share his insight as to what 
might be going on over at Hallis Hall. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks very much for uh, joining us live tomorrow on Wednesday. We've got a full plate of shows, including our special mock draft show that I mentioned earlier with some of the butterflies. Some of the people who visit us are going to be sharing their mock drafts. We'll either be talking live to them or just sharing them uh, via our webcast somehow, some way. And uh, what else we got? Uh, Two o'clock, it's Bar Down. Uh, and uh, at 9 p.m., it's Science Fiction. The guys had to cancel their show last week, but they will be back uh, tomorrow at 9 o'clock with no technical difficulties, and they'll be talking about the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Tooch, have you seen it? No, um, I have not. I can tell you that those guys loved it. Wow. They, they thought it was very, very good. So a good family movie to take the kids to. Did you see the first one, Sonic Hedgehog number one? No, I have, but my daughters have been like, what is a Sonic? You know, they want to, they've been seeing it and they want to watch it, you know? So maybe mm -hmm. I will watch it with the girls. It sounds and, like a uh, great movie to take the family out. I to. haven't seen the Batman either. And I know that that just came out for free on HBO Max. So, oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Yesterday, it dropped yesterday for free. Robert Pattinson and, uh, gosh, what's that gal's name? Uh, Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. yeah. So the, that one's, uh, just dropped yesterday, but I mean, is it isn't it is it kind of a bad sign that's for, that they put it out there for free? It might not be that good, you know. Well, it's, it's not really free at HBO right. Max. Well, you, yeah. you pay money for that, but right. uh, what free for what subscribers? It, yeah. What it does tell me is that the days of cinema are starting to die off. Yep. You know, yep. there's going to be we could, we could talk stories. about that for hours. Yes, uh, and Steven Spielberg said the cinema will always exist, but it will be like a $50, $60 experience. Yeah. And Steven, you're absolutely right. No, you not maybe next week. This. Right. I didn't, I, frankly, it just snuck up on me. It's like, well, USFL started all these games in Birmingham. So yeah, let's yeah. definitely talk about that next week. They got week. some crazy ass rules. I know. Uh, not only that, but uh, the New Orleans Breakers, the team that's got Mitch, uh, Mitch's college coach as the head coach. How about they supposedly that? have a, a wide open offense and stuff, the offensive coordinator. Larry Fedora, uh, the the coach who coached Mitch Trubisky in college, is the head coach of that one. Uh, you know, there's uh, I think Wade Phillips is coach of one of the teams. That's right. Uh, you know, they got some NFL coaches uh, coaching in the USFL and stuff. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to watch uh, any of the games. And Anthony and I were talking about should we handicap some of these games? Like, no, no. I was no. going to say, why not? <laughs> I know. I don't know. We don't know. With not enough data, I guess. Yeah. You know? Like, that that yeah. makes it very, very difficult. But maybe after a week or two, you can start a Yeah, I'm later. sure. Yep, yeah. for sure. I'm definitely going to watch some of the action this upcoming weekend because I I, uh, I love football. Now, it is strange that they're starting it two weeks before the draft because all of, you know, most football fans are, are paying attention to the draft right now. Yeah. So I would have expected them to start after the draft. But yeah. the week, week one ratings are pretty darn good. I mean, they, they got like about $2.5 million on one of the stations and then another 2.5 million people on one of the stations and about 2 million on the other stations because I think they're they're broadcast on two networks right now. So the ratings are pretty good. You know, football is football, man, and uh, it's king. It's, better, yeah. uh, it's a better viewing experience than baseball. Sorry. By the way, did you see – what happened in uh, one of the minor leagues has attached a 22nd uh, uh, clock be, uh, behind the catcher and the pitcher has to throw the ball within those 20 seconds. It's a, it's a pitch 
clock now. Wow, like a shot clock. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's cool. That would speed up the games, man. 20 minutes were reduced from the average minor league game. And that, to me, is good news. I I hate the fact that we've come down to this, but we've got to do something about this fucking problem where people are scratching their balls, picking their boogers, they throw a pitch, and then they circle the mound and and takes way too much time. I'm sorry. In, in today's attention deficit times, we've got to speed up the game of baseball. Yeah. It'll make it much more interesting for me and I'm sure for a lot of other fans. So They started somebody, leaning that way with the, if it were doubleheader, there's only, there are only seven inning games mm-hmm. you know, for doubleheaders. So uh, they start leaning to try and cut the cut the time down because I mean two and a half three hours for a baseball game it's like you know you're asking people who are working in a busy day you know they got other stuff going on to to invest that much time in watching a game I can't I can't imagine their viewership is up exactly you know, it's got to be down exactly it, it, I mean I and and young people are the key to the future of baseball and so how are you going to attract young people who yeah. Cliff Victoria says, who has four hours to watch a game? Absolutely. Right. Well, young, people, different. young people are watching esports rather than baseball, you know, yep. and that's not good. When you would rather watch a simulated computer game of baseball other than the real game, yep. your sport is in trouble. And so uh, they need to fix that. And maybe this pitch clock thing is, is one of the things that we'll be seeing. For football, uh, it's only one day a week. You know where you're investing four hours, and it's a Sunday when everyone's off of work. Exactly, it's you know, so it, it hasn't been a problem for the NFL, right? You know, but baseball, it's like you're already, you know, you're already struggling. You know, they're changing the rules. You know, there's 162 games. You know, mm-hmm. whatnot. The only, the only reason the baseball has uh, has 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 maintained any semblance of popularity has been mobile sports wagering. You know, from, <laughs> you, know, people, Very true. you know, people like uh, me and my mom or grandma or people are wagering on games. In-game so, betting, yeah. yeah. Game, live game betting right. and all that stuff. Prop betting, you know, how many ba- total bases or hits or home runs. Right. You know. So, and yeah, that's what you're starting to embrace that more and more because they know, you know, that's that's a way to. It was to, on life support until mobile sports gambling, you know, legalization right. of gambling. Totally. You wonder, you wonder if there was any kind of like uh, uh, Major League Baseball uh, commissioner and, and uh, board meetings with uh, the sports books. Let's get this launched in state legislatures. You know, baseball's on life support. Fuck, yeah. we got we to gotta legalize sports wagering, you know? <laughs> you wonder what went on in the background, you know? Exactly. Boy, I would love to be a fly on the wall in some of those yep. meetings. All right, everybody. Uh, again, thank you very much for watching. All of you uh, who were here live and uh, those of you listening on demand. Uh, Nomad says, I got to go before my girlfriend dumps me. <laughs> I hear you, brother. <laughs> Hope to see you tomorrow, Nomad. Uh, yep. Get your picks into me. Aldo at bearsbarroom.com is the email. Send me your picks. We'll talk about them here on the show. Or if you can appear with us, that would be fantastic. Um, that's it for tonight's show. Thank you, John Santucci. I love saying your name. It is <laughs> poetry. And Dan Aguirre, not exactly a poetic name, but a definitely a poetic voice. And he didn't me, tell Jim McMahon his, na- his stage name. I know. I know. I was yeah, I was like waiting for that. I was like, I you know, I was such a big fan. I 
I used Dan McMahon for my that would have been touching. That's you know? how he should have started. He didn't want to do it though. Yeah, yeah, he should have started, but yeah, but uh in any case, uh he did a great job anyway. Yeah. And I loved uh, it. I was I was entertained the whole time. Right. My name is Aldo Gandia. Uh Jordan, thank you. Uh and uh and thank you, uh the entire barroom network for uh doing such a great job and making us one of the places where people can go for entertainment, sports news, movie news, and so forth. We'll uh, see you next week right here on Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. And uh, if you are a lover of the draft, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up. So stick with us. Take care, everybody.